0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is
2: the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. It is Monday, August 21st. You sure? I, I had to look. I wasn't sure. There's a lot going on today, including... The solar eclipse, the total no, that's all that's solar happening. eclipse. That, that's, that's it? That's it. Are you sure? You heard about the, the sad news in the comedy
3: world, though, right? Yeah. But, but, I mean, you know, again, not to be completely callous, but, I mean, how old are these people? I know. I, I was actually surprised he lived that long. That, good for honestly, That's a good life. Now, who are we talking about?
2: Jerry Lewis. Okay. Of course. Of Nutty Professor fame, he did a number of films with Dean Martin. Right. He had all of the uh, muscular
3: dystrophy uh, drives that he did. Right. And that leads me to my, as most people probably were, oh, I thought he, I didn't know he was still alive. Yeah. That's kind of your reaction. You're like, wait, how old is that guy? (laughs) (laughs) And 91, that's a good it's a good solid life
2: right there. In fact, I've got a little clip I want to play here of one of his films. He's in a police lineup, and this sergeant is badgering this uh, this whole line of, of outlaws, and here's how it goes.
4: How do I don't want to go to
5: an electric chair with the on it. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Shut up. Okay. I will say nothing. Whatever you say, I will say a word. Shut up!
3: I didn't say, a word, boy. I keep shy, boy. why,
4: boy? If you're i my
3: shut. What am I gonna get? So eh? Well, <laughs> did he did, did write his own lines? Is that what? I,
2: I think it's just it was just gibberish. But you know, Jerry Lewis is clearly the inspiration for uh, Professor Crink. Is it Crink or Clink on The Simpsons? I'm not sure. Okay, but you're right. Yes, he is. So. Made a lot of people laugh, made a lot of people cry, and he made a lot of money for people with muscular dystrophy. I believe I read that it was over $2 billion that he raised in those drives that he did. That's amazing. Oh, look. That's amazing. Whoa, where did you come from?
6: Uh, The eclipse.
2: You're You're blaming the eclipse
6: for you being late. You wouldn't believe. My clock was half on and half off, my alarm clock. It was the weirdest thing. Hmm. It was eclipsed by...
2: Some books. Really? Yeah. <laughs> totally weird. Totally. See, but kids weird. kids can't even use that excuse because most of them can be pulled out of school and have an excused absence. Yeah, they're not even in school. Yeah. I mean, or are they?
6: Are are kids in school yet? First day for my kid. What a big first day. Yep. The day of the eclipse. All the all the road signs say like okay, if you're gonna watch the eclipse Pull get, over. Pull over, get off the road.
3: You can see people trying to drive and stick their head out the window or It's uh,
6: a—this is a big day. By the way, Jerry Lewis, I got my dog when I was, I don't know, eight, and I was watching the Jerry Lewis telethon, and my mom said, Matt, come get the groceries out of the car with me. And I threw a little fit like, no, I'm watching the Jerry Lewis telethon. And she's (laughs) like, what? What? So I went upstairs, went out to our car, and sitting in one of the bags of groceries was my cute little puppy. Mm. And then I took him down and played with him while I watched the telethon. I will never forget. Jerry Lewis made my life. (sighs) Pretty moving. Mm. And my puppy. Thanks to my mom. Um, So that's that in passing. And again, um, what was he – not known for you know, not known for winning any awards really, except changing a lot of lives. I'll have to look at that. Yeah, I don't think he won
2: much medal or brass or gold or whatever they're calling it. But well, not in the Olympics. Yeah, and not for, a big Olympian. <laughs> for comedy awards, you're not really getting gold, silver,
6: or bronze. No, but uh, not not necessarily the greatest actor of all time. Probably didn't ever win an Academy Award. I don't know how many Emmys he won,
2: if any. We'll find out.
6: So uh, we got a lot to cover. Holy cow!
2: He was nominated for one Golden Globe. He was nominated once for one Golden Globe.
6: But again, what that might tell you. But think of the millions of lives he saved, uh, those with muscular dystrophy, and just just a decent, wonderful man. So. Sad, a sad
2: passing there. Today, we, uh, by the way, he did win an Academy Award. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. Did he you. really? Well, it was the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian oh, Award, but it's an Oscar. Oh, really? Yeah. So he won the Oscar for Humanitarian Award. Yeah. That's powerful.
6: So if you can't, if you can't act, if you're not necessarily the best actor, then
2: what you really ought to be involved is, is, is a major charity. Be a humanitarian.
6: Yeah. Boy, that's, that's not bad. That's pretty cool. Uh, Speaking of um, humanitarians, Joe Cannon will be joining us. He's our Washington insider. Joe in the know, we call him. Joe is going to help us understand what's going on politically and really hopefully maybe help us make sense of what happened last week. Does it does any of this really matter? I mean, you still President Trump is the president of the United States. He was voted in by, uh, you know, the Electoral College. And uh, he's in. So, what really does last week, one of his worst weeks, I think, in his presidency? What does that have to do with anything anymore? Is he is he losing uh, some of his power and control? We'll ask Joe about that. And what does it look like going forward? We'll get into all of that exciting stuff. Plus, of course, today we got to talk eclipse. We'll be talking eclipse through the entire show. Hour number three of the program. You will want to stick with us because. We'll be replaying an interview we did about uh, the eclipse to kind of set you up, get you ready for how to how to you know go about looking and and seeing the eclipse. One rule that we've made
2: we're very clear about: don't stare directly at the eclipse. It's bad for your eyes. What about in your peripheral vision? No. Hmm. I, I would just I would just only use glasses or the cereal box method. I think if you were a police officer. Yes, Terry brought his glasses. Ooh. If you're on the highway, just don't bother pulling people over for those two hours or so. Well, because you never know if they had been looking at the eclipse and maybe that's why they were speeding right. or, you know, were driving all over the place. You also don't know if it's the end of the world.
6: And the last thing you would want to do is ticket somebody, you know, two minutes before the end of the world.
2: Yeah, but you know there's going to be that one police officer out there who is just so duty-bound. There's always that one cop. Yeah. Ah, those guys drive me
6: crazy. We're gals. Uh, we will. We'll be talking eclipse all day as well. Also, uh, we got to get to the headlines, national headlines. There's other stuff going on, and Terry will enlighten us. Terry, what's going on that we should be paying attention to?
3: We'll start with the uh, the eclipse. Is swoop Oregon to South Carolina. U.S. electric power grid operators will be glued to their monitoring systems, and what for them represents the biggest test of renewable energy in recent years utility and grid operators have been planning for the event for years calculating the timing and drop in output from solar running simulations of the potential impact on demand and lining up standby power sources it promises a critical test of their ability to manage sizable swings in renewable power solar energy now accounts for more than as it says 42 thousand megawatts about 5% wow. of the U.S. peak demand, up from 5 megawatts in 2000, according to the North America Electric Reliability Council, or NERC. Uh, NERC. You know,
6: I used to have a NERC ball that we would throw around every morning uh, in the summer. Really?
2: Until it got hot, and then
3: we'd all go inside. Love Was it the NERC kind ball. with
2: the whistles on it? Ooh, <whistles> No. Okay, So right
3: right now, solar energy accounts for 5% of U.S.'s peak demand. In uh, 2000, it was much, much less. In 2024, the time the next eclipse happens, solar power will be about 14% of the national power
6: grid. So you don't think about how a solar eclipse could pull down the entire grid for a few minutes.
3: That's (laughs) the thing is I don't know what what the entire impact of this will be. I had a uh, notice on my Nest Thermostat. Yes, yeah. And it said if I wanted to participate in the they call it their rush hour program, Ooh. which is um it would power down my thermostat mm. during certain points of the eclipse across the nation to help conserve power because you know the solar grid's gonna take a hit. Yeah. I'm looking at like, how big of an issue is this? Why do I need to power down my thermostat? You know, power down my, my AC, is, basically, while is, I'm gone. So the the eclipse is the Achilles' hill of our... Um, renewable energy Renewable plant. energy plant. Yeah. And hmm. apparently my thermostat can send me ads and emails oh good so now you can be marketed to through your thermostat just email me you guys email me once a month you don't need to send to my thermostat it's kind of an odd situation there in other news 10 sailors are missing after a navy destroyer collided with a merchant ship off the coast of singapore authorities said sunday five sailors were injured in the collision between the uss john s mccain and the merchant vessel a thirty thousand ton chemical and oil tanker uh, the, a Navy spokesman told NBC News the incident was being treated as an accident. The guided missile destroyer is named for the uh, Arizona senator's father and grandfather, both of whom are admirals. Uh, the incident comes less than three months after seven sailors were killed when the USS Fitzgerald crashed into a Japanese merchant ship. What is going ship. on? Not sure. No one's paying attention, apparently. Unbelievable. Because they said, you know, accident. We're just driving into uh, other... I mean, yeah, it's one thing to crash your car. Maybe Tesla needs to get involved. Get some autonomous totally. ship driving going on. So yeah, we get some and sensors, some
6: ludicrous speed, and ludicrous. while you're
3: at it, that's right. By the way, uh, President Trump will have a nationally televised address tonight, uh, update on the nation, our nation's efforts in Afghanistan. That'll be at nine Eastern. Did you see the picture of everybody meeting uh, to talk about Afghanistan?
6: All the generals uh, at Camp, da- Camp David. Mm-hmm. No, fantastic picture. Was it really? Apparently, somebody told everybody, "Don't smile. No smiles." Right. <laughs> Because everybody was, like, serious, like, er, ga- yeah. It was really intense. Huh. Well, Good. So so President Trump will tell us what we're going to do in Afghanistan. I mean, is he going to
3: tell us what we're going to do in Charlottesville?
6: No. Okay. Just checking. No. That Just was last Afghan- week. Yeah.
3: That was last week. All right. There's many, probably many bad people on both sides and great people on both sides in Afghanistan, too. It's a great point. It's a great. I mean,
6: it, it, I guess Al-Qaeda. Yeah. They, even they have... Some, good, Some people. good people.
3: Some good people. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Um, Alistair White House Chief Strategist Steve Bannon expressed little optimism for a uh, united, productive GOP in the near future while speaking to the Washington Post for an article published on Saturday. If the Republican Party on Capitol Hill gets behind the president on his plans and not theirs, it'll be uh, sweetness and light. Hmm. Be one big mm-hmm. happy family, Bannon told the Post, adding that this is not an outcome he expects to uh, see actually happen. Because no administration in history has been so divided among itself about the direction, about where it should go.
2: That's my favorite uh, sugar substitute as well—sweetness oh, and, yeah.
3: and light. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. A little just to drizzle a little sweetness yeah. and light on my cereal. Found that to be an odd description of why an outcome that'll never happen. He says. Uh,
6: so here's the deal: well, we, we didn't hear much from from Bannon while he was in the White House.
3: No. But well, now
6: we're not. We're never going to stop hearing from him.
3: No, not now. Great. Bannon the Barbarian, he called himself over the weekend. Oh, he did? Yeah. Bannon the Barbarian. Yeah. Excellent.
2: You started it. It sounded like you were starting to do an Arnold impression there, and then you kind of abandoned it. No,
6: uh, I don't do Arnold impressions.
3: (laughs) Everybody does one. No, that's
6: the cheap impression. That's just (laughs) just, cheap. It's just the easy one, yeah. I don't don't go for the easy. (laughs) And
3: finally, a New Hampshire woman who became stuck in a swimming pool after the ladder broke turned to Facebook to get help on getting out of the pool. Hold on. Yeah. Shut her phone. Uh, no. Okay. Shut an iPad. Shut her iPad mm. in the pool. It was near the pool, so she could reach uh, it. And let me explain. Sixty one okay. year old Leslie Kahn was swimming in her pool August eleventh when the ladder broke, leaving her stranded. She said her uh, she didn't have the strength to pull herself up. Apparently, it was like a four foot pool. Yeah. And I guess if you don't have the body strength to get out of it, you're stuck. She had the body strength to get her iPad, but not her. She she got
2: out of the pool to get the iPad and then got got back in. in.
3: No one else was home and her cell phone was inside. She used a pool pole to drag the chair uh, that her iPad was sitting on over to her. And then she posted on a community Facebook page asking for help. She said she labeled the pulse 911 to get people's attention. A woman who lived nearby showed up followed by police and a neighbor. Khan says that sometimes... You help others, and other times you ask for help That's out great. four-foot pool. Uh, well, maybe she's only like two foot tall. I don't know.
2: It just seems, yeah. <laughs> she would have drowned then, I'm guessing. That's a good point. Unless, Unless she was really. water. She can tread water. Can't she get out of the pool? Well, Not, she's probably holding on to the side of the pool. Okay. Yeah. But luckily she had that pole, right. like the swimming
6: thing, because that, you know, she could have been there all day. Lounging in a, in a pool.
3: A four-foot pool, huh? Well, that's what the, the, the depth people keep referencing is four feet. So, yeah. I think they're trying to minimize the situation. Make, you know, like, what's going on? But the lady is scared enough If you to, don't have the upper body to pull yourself out of the water, it's a problem. Yeah.
2: Sure. She needs to get one of those <laughs> seats where they lower you down into the water. Ah, there you go. Yeah. That, that would probably double the price of the pool. Yeah.
6: Could be. Never know. Um, well, we're glad she made it out. See? Otherwise, she'd just be sitting there for the eclipse. Facebook helped her. See? And who? how could anybody
2: be mad at Facebook ever, knowing that they save lives like that? How about well, the guy that uh, didn't get all that money because his idea was stolen? Allegedly. In the movie. Oh, yeah. That was just in the movie. Yeah. Okay. It was dramatized for your enjoyment. Yeah. I uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, good.
6: <laughs> it was so good. I totally enjoyed it. Um, wow. Okay. Well, one of the things uh, again, sad about Jerry Lewis's death, I just can't. I think it's sad because it's an era. It's like an era gone, done. Yeah, he was one of the last of that of that era, like you said. It's, I, I sit there. I mean, it reminds me, that's my grandparents. My that was it. That was Americana. A good what was it? Labor Day telethon. That's right. And he'd bring in all the stars and oh you just would watch these great and then you'd see the toll board just going up. Look at how much money they're making. And then the then the moving story, there was always the moving story about somebody with muscular dystrophy. Mm. How cool is that? One guy decides to make a difference and uh, Over two billion dollars raised. It's amazing. How much money have you raised? Uh Mm, never mind sorry forgot you're not into raising I actually money. <laughs> lost
2: quite a bit of money
6: yeah how's your diet going by the way well, let's check in i've on that. lost
2: quite a bit of weight too so i'm tomorrow it'll be two weeks and i'm at about six pounds gone oh. so you need two more pounds to to qualify two for point, added bonuses 2.4 i believe yeah and um when, when's your deadline for that oh the 6th of september Oh, so yeah. I've got two and a half
6: weeks. You've got it. I mean, we could, we could drug you and get that two point <laughs> four pounds off of
2: you. Just go, yeah, go in a, a uh, sleep induced coma.
6: Let's let's also, I think, just for fun, I think it'd be fun to wrap you in like Saran wrap, mm. and then just have you
2: sweat off a couple pounds. You know, maybe that's why I lost some good weight there for a little while because I I did put Saran wrap on my wound for a little while. Yeah, but that you probably just lost. Um, like fluid weight, just weight like so.
6: Like half a pound of that was probably the pus, right? Yeah, uh, nothing harder to lose than the
2: pus weight. Because mm-hmm. usually that involves an injury. That's where you notice it first. <laughs> Man, your leg looks so. Skinny. For some people, it's in the face. Some people, it's, yeah. you know, it's in the love handles. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's in the pus. It's always in the wounded leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: Good. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're doing well. You deserve it. You deserve to get your $30 back that you put into it. (laughs) You deserve to break even. Anyway, lots of ways to lose weight. Uh, And by the way, nothing better than the eclipse, which we'll be celebrating today. I hope you're getting into it. Again, the rule, don't look at it. Don't look directly at it, I guess. It's a better way to put that. You don't want to burn your eyes out. I mean, sure, the eclipse only comes every once in a while, but your eyesight lasts forever. Mm, unless not you, not let, true. Unless you look at the eclipse. Oh, yeah, unless you age as well. All of that fun straight ahead, folks. We'll also continue the journey of trying to understand what's going on in, politically in our country. Washington insider Joe Cannon up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Well, we're at it again. It's uh, Monday, and Monday's mean. Joe Cannon is, in, uh, is going to be talking with us today. Joe is our Washington insider. We call him Joe in the know. He was a past chairman of the Utah Republican Party from 2002 to 2006, was also a candidate for Senate, and served in the uh, Reagan administration in the EPA uh, from 83 to 85, was also a Deseret, was the editor of the Deseret News, um, so he also understands kind of the... Uh, I guess the journalist side of um, of the game. Right. The 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 opportunities we have when we have Joe on the show. It allows us to, to have somebody that is in the know that kind of uh, understands the background of a lot of what's going on politically. We try to stay as neutral as we can. But, uh, you know, sometimes just it's hard. It's hard to, to not have an opinion on some of the things that are going on today. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for being here again.
5: Thanks
6: for having me, Matt. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't know if you heard, but there's an eclipse today. <laughs>
5: well, I don't know. I'm in Washington D.C. I, I don't know if that's a, if there's oh. an eclipse every day here. Yeah, I think there
6: is. There's a there's a, a you know a, a shade of darkness there all the time. Talk about what's going on. Um, they you know the big news Bannon is out of the White House, uh, and uh, wanted to know what you thought about that. Do you think it will make a difference?
5: Well, it's really obviously it's incredibly an interesting story. I mean, yeah. the, uh, the uh, uh, there's so many different sides to, to this story. I mean, Bannon was clearly uh, well, you could tell. Let's let's go ro- rewind a little bit. Trump was asked about Bannon. I think during one of the Charlottesville press conferences. I'm not sure exactly when, but you know he gave oh. some of the most happened. Yep, exactly. Uh, Endorsement for the staff person ever. I remember watching that and thinking, oh, you know, he's dead. Yeah. And uh, the, the mid-
6: Well, the minute yeah, he starts yeah. saying, you know, he, he came on late. He wasn't even part of the team early. I mean, you're like, OK, this guy's gone.
5: Yeah, that's true. But I will just say uh, for Mr. Bannon, at the time he came on the campaign, Trump was... Was uh, behind Hillary by double digits. Huh. Now, you know you don't want to uh, post hoc ergo propter. You know the the, the fact that uh, he came on and then things got better doesn't necessarily mean that it was all Bannon. But it's not. You know he 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 Trump had defeated a bunch of Republican candidates. Okay, that's true. But he was still running behind uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. But yeah, it was an incredibly tepid response. And for me, just like kind of a footnote. I uh, watching, I was just you know like many people, just kind of addicted to. What what, what the heck is going on here? Um, it was really interesting to see, to see the schizophrenia of the sort of all-in Trump people, mm. because a lot of those all-in Trump people. And I'm talking about you know everyone from Rush Limbaugh to uh, most of the Fox uh, folks. You know, they're all OK. They're really wrestling. You can tell, well, what do we do about this? Because we it, it, they were all in for Trump, but some of them were also all in conservatives. And so how do we square all this up? That Trump is firing the leading White House <laughs> conservative the voice, the voice of the, the voice of the uh, of the of the strong conservative movement. They so have all kinds of interesting things. You have the weekly standard. I mean, it's a weekly standard. If there's a hash, a hashtag Never Trump, so these people are you know Never Trump, and yet not all of them, but uh, but many of them are, you know they're they they're wrestling with this too. You know what is what does this mean? And I think one of the best stories actually was in the Weekly Standard about what Bannon is going to do when he when he leaves. You know he's uh, the, a lot of people wondering is he going to tell all? Is mm-hmm. he going to become anti-Trump and but again, what's clear is is that the Bannon is still on the war path for Trump or Trumpism, um, and he's attacking like everybody from the Republican establishment to Drudge to uh, uh, you know anybody. He's 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 I think can't remember his quote exactly, but he's saying you know I'm a war. Uh, oh yeah, for for Trump. Yeah, so. It's,
6: is he, I mean, yeah, this is, been, he's going back to Breitbart. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering is, is he going to turn on the president? Um, but really, so what you're hearing is he's really going to just turn on all of the, everybody that's fighting against the president. I guess probably turn on the, the press, the, the left-leaning press as well.
5: Well, yeah, but he includes in his list of people he's going after besides everybody else. Drudge, which is yeah really Matt Drudge, which is one of the most read news sites uh, ever. Uh, he's going to go after Drudge. He thinks Drudge is insufficiently pure on this subject. He's going to go after Fox News.
6: Wow, this is so going to get I'm ugly.
5: Not sure, <laughs> who else? Who, who else is out there? Who's not on his list? I I don't know. And, and what it could all come to is maybe. Which a lot of people speculate that he's uh, going to do his own. Uh, his own new right media um, enterprise, with uh, the help of some pretty wealthy Trump supporters. So who knows? Mm. The one thing we know for sure is that he went back to uh, to Breitbart. I think. I just you know I I just Googled Rush, not just now but earlier. I Googled Rush Limbaugh and Bannon, and because I was curious because Rush Limbaugh is. All in all the time, Trump Trump can't do anything wrong. If you think Trump's doing something wrong, it's because you're stupid and you don't understand <laughs> yeah. his his deep mind and all that stuff. But uh, but even so, he's uh, how does he and Bannon have got to be sort of simpatico on a lot of things? But anyway, one of the he said, well, okay, we still got Vice President Pence and we still got Steve Miller, who is kind of a Bannon acolyte, who has uh, written most of the speeches, but. The sum of all this is there's no center actually within the White House right now. At least It doesn't appear other than the president himself and maybe Kellyanne Conway. There's no kind of uh, uh, place. So if you're if you have a conservative agenda and you want to promote it in the White House, it's not clear where you would go right now.
6: Mm. Oh, wow. Um, this is so, a so. The, well, and, and you know what else I wonder because the this last week in Charlottesville with the or yeah last week with the president kind of stepping stepping in it. Um, on Saturday, he, he was talking about the Charlottesville demonstrations that ended up leaving one woman, two police officers dead in a plane, in a helicopter accident. On Saturday, he said many sides are at fault. On Monday, he said white supremacists are bad. On Tuesday, many good people among the Nazi flags. Back and forth, back and forth. What, what impact do you think that has long term? I mean, it seems like that brought a lot of people out, uh, including Mitt Romney made a made a, a wrote a, an article or a piece on it that the president needs to just be unequivocal. He needs to apologize. What do you, what do you think the fallout of all of that will be?
5: Well, let me just start with a little bit of a footnote. Today is the like hundred and fifty something first anniversary of the first Lincoln Douglas debate hmm. in Ottawa, Illinois, 1858. I only say that, think of a lot of people only are aware of those debates. A lot of people think they were presidential debates. They weren't. They were Lincoln running against Douglas uh, for the Senate. But if anybody wants to Google and just read one of those debates, which went on for hours, and read Abraham Lincoln, and then contrast that with the political public discourse today, it's pretty doggone depressing. Oh. Uh, you know, Lincoln was a titan, and I'm not. I'm, I'm not raising this just accidentally. I mean, obviously, Lincoln is the person who put uh, an end to slavery, right? And um, you know, just amazingly, wonderfully articulate, brilliant, uh, spiritual, motivational abraham lincoln and then our political discourse today and if i'm not just criticizing president trump i'm actually just saying it's it's not just president trump it's like the whole political discourse today relative to what it was a long time ago is pretty discouraging so um, yeah i i don't know i mean we talked last monday when we talked on monday things were you know kind of okay he had yeah. come out and uh and, and said, yeah, white supremacists are bad, and then then just goes unleashed on Tuesday. Um, there's so many sides to this, but one thing is, it's, it's not just a mistake politically. Uh, it's look, are there bad people on both sides? Yeah, yeah. The the so-called anti-antifa right. group, you know, they're violent. They're they're bad people too. But in the whole context of the history of race in America and where we are, gee, there's just no downside to being unequivocal mm-hmm. in condemnation of of white racists who, on their face, what their words themselves are just so horribly un-American. Uh, why don't you say that and leave it at that? And then maybe at another time, in another place, you can talk about, well, well, you know the so-called anti-fascists with their baseball bats and clubs and shields and and um, you know sort of black uniforms. Yeah, they they're also very problematic and also a cancer on on public discourse. Uh, so you can you can talk about the whole speech, you can talk about all the other issues, but why connect it up and have some kind of false equivalence? I, I just
6: Don't I just don't understand that. uh, um, Is it is it uh, is it that he's I mean, because really what you need, it seems like in moments like that uh, is really kind of the iconic president that can bring everyone together. I mean, I don't know that I've ever really seen President Trump be able to do that. Is it is that just is that just a bridge too far? Is that a skill set he he doesn't have um, to speak for everyone?
5: I, I don't know. I mean, he has given some speeches that were very conciliatory, uh, uh, pre, pretty smart speeches. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I mean, I think he does recognize that there's a culture clash. But, but having said that, I think that there's a, a part of him that is just very, very not a part, a big part. That's just very combative. I mean, he's kind of a street fighter guy, and that's. Brought him a lot of success in life, and we're talking about a guy who is yeah, president of the United right. States, and he got he
6: did there. he did uh, it.
5: <laughs> and so it's, I'm not I'm not saying oh, I can do what I want because I'm president. I mean, he may he may also think that, but I'm saying that he's actually relied on a on a toolkit to get where he is, and uh, and and that's worked for him. Hmm. So it, it's hard, you know, just. For anybody who's had success in some particular way or some some set of skills, it's hard to say, well, you shouldn't do that. But this one still is a little bit outside of that whole discussion. I mean, there's no reason not to say what he said on, on Sunday or Monday, whenever it was. It was very unequivocal about the KKK and white racists and the you know the pox they are on on society. Okay. Do that, yeah. and then if you want to talk about whatever the other issues come up, do that too. But do, don't don't have this uh, kind of equivalence because we don't have in our history an equivalence here. There's a there is a problem, a deep deep problem with uh, with racism and in general, and these groups in particular.
6: Mm. And then the complicated issue of. Uh, Confederate monuments and, you know, how what that opens up. Uh, let, let's take a break. Uh, we're speaking with Joe Cannon. And uh, up next, we're going to continue this discussion. Also find out, you know, what do you do going forward? Now there's the rhetoric that does Jefferson need to go do, any monuments to Jefferson? How about monuments to George Washington and others? Uh, boy, where does where does some of this end? But also the issue of Now senators are stepping up. Corker, uh, Senator Corker, for example, is saying he's got a he may not have the competency to do this job. Interesting, interesting uh, debate going on in our country about our leader, the president, uh, President Trump. More with Joe Cannon up next. Today, Talking Politics, it's Monday. That's what we do. We try to get you caught up on what's uh, gone on over the weekend. All the talking heads, of course, giving their opinions on the shows. And who better to help us than Joe Cannon? Joe in the know, we call him. He is our Washington insider. He's the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization trying to uh, lower fuel costs for those of us here in the United States. And uh, I think today I heard Joe's back in Washington um, and and today we're talking uh, a lot of Trump. Uh, Joe, are you are you in Washington D.C.? Is that what you said?
5: I am in Washington D.C. Yes.
6: Did you get the uh, Did you get the eclipse glasses so that you can look up at the sun?
5: Uh, no, my wife has the eclipse glasses. She and my daughter are up in Idaho right now. So.
6: yeah. Hey, by the way, also uh, there's eclipse gum, but don't think that you, when you chew eclipse gum that you can look at the sun. It's just gum <laughs> okay. has nothing to do with it. Okay. I just want you to know okay. that we're trying to help okay. everybody today, Joe, make sure nobody goes blind. So, uh, by the way, now it seems like um, some senators just can't take it anymore. They they and I mean, it, it seems like if you're going to jump on President Trump, this is the topic. Uh, you know, it, if it looks like he's supporting any any type of racist behavior, uh, Senator Corker, and others are jumping on and so what happens now when you have a president who's basically losing his advisors many of them i mean his top advisors his senior advisors are gone now many of them um he's surrounded more by generals uh, is he becoming isolated is he is he losing people to talk to
5: well i you know i don't know the the answers i i think the uh <clears throat> The, uh, in the restructuring the White House around a very strong chief of staff uh, is a very important thing for him to, to do, to have done. Uh, apparently, just reading a New York Times report on this, which seemed pretty accurate. I know there's all discussions about fake news and the mainstream media, but this relied on a lot of interviews with folks in the White House that Bannon was scheduled to go almost from the day Kelly became the uh, hmm. chief of staff and that they would sort of planned an orderly exit. And then that all blew up either because of Charlottesville or um, his
6: interview. Yeah.
5: Uh, B- Bannon just decided to to go out and, and start talking to everybody about everything on his mind, apparently. Uh, so I, I, I think the orderliness of the White House will be a very good thing. Should, should bring some reassurance to folks up on the Hill, but even Newt Gingrich, which is, who is a, a, a strong, uh, Trump supporter is saying, look, uh, you're, the numbers are bad. The dialogue is bad within your own party. Uh, yeah, I know Trump, a lot of people think, well, Trump just effected uh, uh, a, a, a hostile takeover of the Republican Party. But the bottom line is he is a Republican president with a Republican House and a Republican Senate. You're, you're holding a bunch of uh, really good cards in your in your hand here why not figure out how to coalesce all those 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 uh factors and and get your agenda done so part of it part of what gingrich was saying is i think a very smart political analyst uh look get your act together and get your agenda done mm. and by the way that will probably help you uh, with your very 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 low historically low approval numbers you know uh so so I think I, I think you're beginning to see. Who knows? But you're beginning to see this this uh, uh, recognition that, that probably any any smart person would have or would recognize. Look, I've got kind of a problem here. Well, putting in a strong chief of staff was the beginning of solving that problem.
6: Yeah. Do you uh, think? By the way, what about like Jeff Flake, um, Senator uh, Junior Senator, I believe from Arizona. What I mean, to have the president of the United States going after a senator, basically saying he's going to do everything he can to get Flake um, uh, out of there, that's and then and then have Mitch McConnell step in and say, no, Senator Flake is a great senator, an excellent senator, senator and a tireless advocate for Arizona and our nation. All of a sudden, you now see a president that throws out these little barbs and you've seen him do it many times with other senators Um Boy, you need the loyalty of these senators. I mean, I keep hearing over and over uh, judici or the the committees that might have to eventually vote on uh, any impeachment proceedings down the road if that were ever going to happen that he's already starting to lose Republican senators on some of those committees. Does he need to make a more concerted effort to go build up support amongst the the senators amongst Congress?
5: Well, that's one of the big issues, that, as I mentioned earlier, that Newt, Newt Gingrich is bringing up is, look, you have a team here. Work with the team. I, it's true healthcare care failed by three votes, three Republican votes, but it also failed by 48 Democrat votes. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Republican president and you're thinking about how to move your agenda forward, Why line up at a circular firing squad and and shoot your own team when you should be saying, look, let's go after those 48 Democrats, 10 of whom are up for re-election in very, very red states right now. Uh, I I just, it it baffles me that you wouldn't, instead of taking out after a senator, who, by the way, voted for health care. Dean Heller also from from Nevada voted for health care. So, so you're talking about, uh, you know, some senators who uh, you know, held their nose and went ahead and, and voted for him, uh, voted for the health care package. Why go after them? Why not go after the Democrats who are out there? I'm not saying that as a partisan. I said the right. same exact thing if they're a Democrat president in exactly the same situation. It's a team sport and your team is on the field. And you're the quarterback of a team that has like all Hall of Famers on it, but somehow they they get into the huddle and start fighting with each other.
6: It's, I, so I know,
5: it's baffling to me. No,
6: that that is a great that it's a great metaphor. And and it seems like you know if you would if you would instead of fighting your own team, you, that would actually just build some camaraderie, build some support. But literally, you've heard. I don't know 5 or 6 GOP senators that he's taken shots at. I don't know. And then and then you think are you taking any shots at any Democrats? Really other than no, Schumer?
5: That, that's, that, yeah, you know, c- c- because why he naturally is going after Schumer because Schumer's the captain of the other team. Right, exactly. Yeah, why, why not why not go after the other team? You know, it seems like, you know, they they get close to first downs, close to touchdowns and then they start fighting with each other. I, I don't know. It's, a, it's it's a very interesting anomaly. I mean, you, you've got so many... He's got so many cards that he's holding in his hand that are so strong. Why, Why not get your agenda done? Why not broaden your base a little bit? You don't have to broaden it very much, but you have to, you have to give permission for those independents to want to support you.
6: Mm. And then... Uh... Not to mention the fact that there's this investigation going on, um, and apparently White House lawyer Ty Cobb uh, – not the baseball player, the other one um, – predicts right. the quick end to a Mueller probe. Now, who knows if this is just positioning by the White House. But um, Cobb said to Reuters, I'd be embarrassed if this is still haunting the White House by Thanksgiving, and worse, if it's still haunting by year-end. I think the relevant areas of inquiry by the special counsel are narrow. Do you, I mean – do you really think it'll go that fast? Uh, that seems like a little. That seems like a little far. It does
5: seem a little bit like whistling in the dark. I, yeah, I, exactly. I, 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 having said that, I will say Ty Cox is a very, very smart, well-respected lawyer in this kind of business, as opposed to some of the other lawyers. one other one of Trump's lawyers, Jay Sekulow. So Sekulow is a very smart guy when it comes to the First Amendment. But I don't think he knows much about criminal investigations, whereas Ty Cobb does. Hmm. So I, I put a little more credibility to that. The other thing is that the NPR had a story over the weekend, I think, uh, maybe Friday, that said maybe the Mueller investigation isn't going to be everything that people think it think it's going to be. In other words, Mueller might not be the friend of the left that you think he is. Uh kind of the, the tenor of the article. So I mean, the fact that both Ty Cobb and then coincidentally, I think, and I think it was a coincidence he had this, the NPR story, uh, you know, maybe, yeah, Oh, and, and I'm sorry. And also the deputy, the deputy attorney general said, look, we have a very narrow scope in this investigation. I know it. Mueller knows it. And he and Mueller are pals hmm. for a long time. Uh, there're little glimpses here that that it may wrap up <laughs> will it wrap up by thanksgiving it's inconceivable to me that that would happen i'd just say that but but will it wrap up earlier and with a very narrow focus i don't know i obviously i don't have any insight knowledge yeah. on that but but Boy. but i think there're a little more more it's more than just puffery yeah yeah there's or, uh, Yeah,
6: there's something going on. And I I mean, I guess in the end, who knows? Who knows what we'll find out? Um, But boy, it would be something to be thankful for if we could get it done by Thanksgiving. We've got about one minute, Joe. What would you any other news we should be paying attention that maybe isn't on the radar?
5: Well, I think one of the most despicable things I've heard in many years is this headline from CBS News last week, which said, Basically, that Iceland is quote is quote is close quote to eradicating Down syndrome births. Oh boy, in Iceland. So what what does that mean? Well, you'd think, oh great, maybe they discovered some genomic kind of approach to Down syndrome. No, no, they've they are now uh, have a great new test for testing oh, no. uh, women who who might. You know, to discover that they that they're carrying a down syndrome child and so then they said since there's a quote since parental screening na- since prenatal screening tests were introduced in Iceland in the early 2000s the vast majority majority of women close to 100 percent who received a positive test for down syndrome terminated their pregnancy oh boy uh, I mean I just but the, the idea of eradicating down syndrome through eugenics Mm. Basically, you know, killing babies uh, because they might be, quote, defective, close quote. I just thought that was horrible. I I, 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 I don't know. It just just struck me as a really, really horrible uh, headline and development.
6: And blow, yeah. I mean, especially when it's couched kind of as a success. Hey, what a success. No, but if you've then ever loved and been around and cared for, or been influenced by a a person with Down syndrome, you realize how much more light is brought to this earth through those incredible, beautiful beings. Um, Unbelievable. Boy, crazy headline. Well, Joe, we appreciate you and uh, your great work. Uh, We we hope you have safe travels as you're back in Washington, D.C., and uh, good luck looking at the eclipse. Everybody, really. It's just politics, folks, right? It's just politics but uh, we can elevate it by simply understanding it better and and getting involved in the ways that we can get involved and we appreciate joe cannon again go check out his website fuel freedom foundation or FuelFreedom.org. Um, wonderful place to uh, where they're trying to lower your fuel costs here in the united states up next we'll continue the journey this is the matt townsend show helping you be the good in the world Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Boy, we, again, we live in a very complicated world, don't we, where uh, Iceland comes out with some announcement that they're lowering uh, the birth, uh, the um, the eradicating Down syndrome births, because, I guess, we have the technology to test to see if somebody has Down syndrome, and then you can, you know, terminate the pregnancy. Is, is that the highest form of humanity, is by creating uh, the ease of life for all of us? I mean, have we gotten to a point where ease and efficiency of life is the highest form of living? Or is the highest form of living being able to reach down, right, and... To lean down and to, to, to go to, to, to create some stress in our lives. If you've ever noticed, like when you're trying to, to, to jump or to, to uh, you know, reach up and get to a higher place, sometimes you actually have to, to go down in order to go up. And maybe what we need in life is to be okay accepting the fact that life has hardships. And one of those hardships might be a child with a a disability or, you know, any kind of trial that we have to go through. But no wonder some of our children, some of our teens, young adults aren't realizing that there's a hardship part of life that's essential to being able to grow and get better, especially if we as adults are constantly trying to avoid the the difficulties of life. So let's be careful. If we want to go higher, sometimes you got to you got to, you know, scoot down a little bit. Have a little discipline, have a little difficulty once in a while. Crazy thing, this thing called life. Continue the journey with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. (laughs)
0: the matt townsend show your
1: guide on the side
0: follow dr matt on twitter
1: at dr matt show
0: call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU
1: this is the
6: matt townsend show
0: dr matt townsend now
6: on byu radio happy monday to you folks it is the day of the eclipse oh 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 you know what it also might be the end of the world you never know i have a feeling it's i have a feeling the world's going to continue I don't know. Do I need to, I have a a meeting, a speech I'm giving this afternoon. Do I need to worry about the speech? No, just blow it off. Because it could all be over. What time's it at? 2. Oh, you're clear.
2: No, but maybe the world will end. No, nah, no, you're fine. Start making things right with all those you've ever wronged, Matt. This is the time you need to
6: apologize for the things you've done, the things you haven't done. Jeff, I wanted to start with you. I'm sorry that I made fun of that Oozing gaping hole on your leg. Thank you, Terry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I didn't take you seriously. All right, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> when you were uh, when you were talking about the eclipse six months ago,
3: mm.
6: it's a big moment. It's a big moment. Lots of people traveling. Lots of cars heading. uh Bonnie north. Tyler.
3: She's on a Royal Caribbean cruise and will be playing this song at the optimal moment of the eclipse wherever she is on of that cruise Of course she ship. will. I think this yeah. is a different eclipse than the eclipse. No, no, no. She's performing this song today on a cruise ship. But don't, but People don't turn a, around. It's telling well, you to turn around. I know. Don't turn around. They might. I mean, the boats, they can turn I would have thought U-turn.
2: the Today Show would have booked her today.
3: She's actually, one of those shows has her on live okay. from the cruise ship. Okay. Because, oh, of Nate. course, we have to turn this into a spectacle.
2: So, Matt, it sounds like yeah. you're kind of just giving up. Are you going to, like, walk yeah. out into the sunset and just look up and just end it all or something? Uh, no. Okay. But I'm worried
6: that, you know, the animals are going to go crazy. let may go to sleep. This could
3: impact the tides. Not really. You never know. The, the moon's not moving. You never know. Right. This could get ugly. You're right. We never know.
6: That's it. And what's weird is everyone's going to Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, all these states. Oregon. Oregon. I showed you the camps in yeah. Oregon, they're huge. These are states that people
3: aren't used to, you know, having all of yeah. these cars. They don't even have milk. The biggest city it crosses through is Nashville. Really, and they're going you know, to have boy a, Nashville. That's a big. I mean, I mean, big right. city for a little eclipse, and uh, or a little was, city for a what big. Was I eclipse. watching? Was a CBS yesterday? CBS News had a graphic, and they showed a, the a, within a day's drive. There's like 57 million people. Wow! Not that everyone's going to drive there, but they have no idea how many people are going to show up in a major town like Nashville. But the but so, Nashville is going to do better than these small towns. They have yeah more infrastructure to handle that many yeah, people. But, they
2: actually have a store, by or, the way. Here's something else you shouldn't stare directly at. What? The music video to Total Eclipse oh, of the Heart by Bonnie it? Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, we ought to put those glasses it's on. It's pretty bizarre. Put let's the dark just say. Let me, let
6: me try on. it on. Oh, yeah, this is much better. Much better. <laughs> <I> can't, <laughs> I can't see. That's see. <laughs> great. Well, we wish everybody the best today. Um, countdown to the eclipse. We are about two hours out. That is true. From where we are located here in the... At the hills of the everlasting...
5: What? Hills of the Great. From
2: beneath... From behind the shadows of the everlasting mountains. Yeah. Yeah. So, the
3: rest of you, be paying attention. I don't know if that's right. Uh, there are websites you can go to to check out... On our Twitter feed, I put out, a uh, USA Today has an interactive map. Which you You, need. you right. put in your zip code, yeah. and it will tell you how much of the eclipse you'll see. Like, for instance, us... Yeah. When we you know stop working, when we, well, start... when we stop not working, because it's mostly YouTube and Facebook around here, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see about ninety percent coverage. Yeah, ninety percent. That's pretty good. Uh, it'll start at ten thirteen mm-hmm. in the I morning. Go for two hours and forty five minutes. The best time to see the peak of the eclipse will be eleven thirty three here, here in River City. If you're in Oregon, it'll be at ten twenty one. Okay, right. If you're in St. Louis, it's at one eighteen.
6: Oh, see, they've got to wait all day. And Hmm. if you're
3: in Atlanta, it's at 2.36. Those are the optimal times to see the most of the eclipse in those specific areas. So it's kind of across the country. So 90% coverage Mm -hmm. with a 20% chance of rain. No, no rain. Oh, okay. Nice and clear. There's some places that are cloudy. With a chance of wouldn't You the have really big parties. People are all anticipating and lots of cloud coverage.
6: (laughs) Good luck with that. What does it mean when you're missing a once in a lifetime event? Once in, twice in a lifetime. It'll event. Happen in
3: 2024.
6: It won't be as. But yeah, you'll have to travel to the location, right? I mean, right. a lot of these. This is just shooting right through the country. It's kind of nice. It's like God brought it right to us. Mm-hmm. Well, for us, we have to go to Idaho, and then cloud cover. Little. I know, but we get
2: 90% occlusion. That's...
3: Yeah, but as we heard from our guest a couple weeks ago, there's a big difference between 90% and 100%. Yeah, it's oh, 10% is yeah, the difference. It, it would be 10%. If you do the math, I mean, it's doing 10%. 10%. If you're into math,
6: <laughs> I think, that, yeah, it's about 10%.
3: As he said, there's no time during the 90% where you can look at the actual event oh, with yeah. the naked eye. But with 100%, there's a two-minute window where you can stand and stare at it. That oh, would wow. be so cool. And then, yeah, and then catch the cow that's running through your neighborhood. Right. Thanks for tuning in to a 97 Except for there the, we go. Except for the hippies. Because I'm going to guess there are a lot of hippies in these camps in Oregon, and yeah. Idaho, just hippies. Well, maybe the hippies will be running from the cows. Well, probably. You never know. Hey, also today we're going to talk about
6: how Hippie. your job acquires a gender. Mm. So when you think of, when I say
3: nurse, do
6: you think of male or female? A well, nurse, female.
3: You think female? A man would be an orderly, but that's a whole different job. Yeah, or it be yeah. Ben
2: Stiller and meet the parents. He
6: was yeah, a male nurse. That's
3: right, and that and that
6: that shocked the dad a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, made fun of him. The how about show. firefighter, male or female? Male, male. Cop, male. Interesting. There's female cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how about? <laughs> Never mind. We won't say that one. How about? Um... <laughs> wow. I've got a good
2: one. What psychiatrist? What about him? Do you male think or male or female? Male. Really? How about doctor? Hmm. Hmm. Teacher. Hmm. Female.
6: See, isn't it interesting? Your
2: elementary
3: mind. school teacher. I would probably say female. Female. Principal. Male. When my wife delivered our last child, the entire team—there was like twelve people—and everyone was female. Doula. It had kind of stunned me. <laughs> when you think like, of a doula, yeah, you now, think of a female.
2: Doula ablongata or just doula? Yeah. Well, I don't know what the doula. There's the got. medula oblongata. Yeah, that's different. Okay, that's a body part. It's right? part of the brain,
3: isn't it? Yeah, just some jobs are labeled specifically one so way today or the other. We'll be doing. We'll be
6: speaking with a researcher that talks about how this happens. How does a job get a gender and 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 does it impact how you view the authority of the person that has it? Apparently, it does, especially if the if the authority if it's a female kind of profession, then all of a sudden you tend to have less authority but this is this actually impacts men and women, right? So there are men that that don't want to go get nursing jobs even though they're available because nurses are that's a female role. We'll talk about all of that and the impact that has.
2: That's coming up in a they, few minutes. They could change the name like it used to be stewardess. Now yeah. it's flight attendant. Yeah. Medical fixer. <laughs> yeah.
6: Maybe not. We will also get into some empty news today. Um, crazy stuff. Uh, a, a live World War II mortar was found in a Utah home and uh, other headlines that you're not going to want to miss.
2: Maybe somebody saw Bigfoot.
6: Really? Yeah. Maybe. Do you know why? The eclipse. The eclipse brings all of the animals out. Brings all the weirdos out. Mm-hmm. I, if a Loch Ness Monster is going to be surfacing today, you know it. Nessie. Nessie.
2: Yeah. Pete's dragon mm-hmm. is going to show up. Yeah. Pete's Pete, dragon. Pete's not going to be there, though. This is a solo appearance. Really? No, just, yeah. just, just a dragon. Just a dragon. They can't, Elliot. Af- they can't afford
3: both of them.
6: Elliot
2: <laughs> yeah. is his name, by the way. Elliot is the name of
6: Pete's dragon. Mm-hmm. Silly name for a dragon. and wouldn't you want your dragon to be named something more ferocious than Elliot? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to all of that fun. But first, to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country we should pay attention
3: to? Today's solar eclipse will be streamed live online for the first time from a vantage point of helium-filled balloons across the United States, providing the public with sky-high views as the the moon blocks the sun. A team of researchers from Montana State University has partnered with NASA to participate in the Space Grant Ballooning Project. Sounds like a mistake. Yeah. To send more than 50 high-altitude balloons 80,000 feet into the air to capture the solar eclipses across the country. The eclipse shadow is expected to move at 2,000 miles per hour in Oregon and then slow down to (sighs) 1,500 miles per hour. In South Carolina, not sure what? why the slowdown, but it uh, probably has to do with mass. Tra- well, and traffic. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, traffic gets con- congested. Yeah, the East Coast, South has got a lot of people. The latex balloons are roughly nine feet tall when filled with helium. They'll be equipped with high definition video cameras, still cameras, and computers. They will be launched from roughly fifty U.S. locations and transmit the images back to Earth. You can watch this all How up amazing. NASA.com.
6: Okay, I'm going there right now.
3: Now granted, every other TV network is going to go wall-to-wall with their correspondents in these camps, talking to, I'm guessing, hippies.
6: But don't you think it's more fun to watch NASA.com? I don't oh, know. It's not I w- NASA.org. There not you know. go. I was watching their Instagram
3: gov. feed yesterday. Yeah. And they had all these, all these scientists describing their um, experiments they're going to be doing today. And it would be great if someone could actually present something that yeah. didn't sound... I'm going to be looking at the sun, and it's all monotone. Oh, my gosh. Come on, people. Come on, man. Some of this could be very interesting. but This could be the end of the world. You just lost me. So, whatever. Very interesting to see how this is is being covered. Everyone's going wall to wall. because Totally clips. And then my question is, will President Trump feel as if the moon and the sun are upstaging him as he has a press conference later tonight? And he needs to find a way to move the media message this afternoon. (laughs) Right in the middle of it. By the way, turn your
6: phones off. That's one of the rules. Turn your phones off so you don't get a text in the
3: middle of this thing. This is true. Uh, And some sad news. A second police officer has died from his wounds after a shooting in Kissimmee, Florida over the weekend. Officials believe the officer, Matthew Baxter and Sam Howard, might have been ambushed while they were responding to a routine call. A suspect, Everett Glenn Miller, is in police custody. He was in charge of first-degree murder. President Trump tweeted his condolences to the officers mm. and their families. We talked about this, how there's yeah. this uptick in ambushes Dang. on police officers just sitting in their cars. In other news, one week after the violent protests rattled Charlottesville, Virginia, a scheduled free speech rally in Boston Saturday was met with thousands of counter-protesters, but the day went off smoothly. Police said there were 33 arrests but few injuries. The free speech rally was deemed officially over by police ahead of its official end time, but thousands of counter-protesters continued to spread out in the city throughout the afternoon, with some protesting peacefully but others confronting officers and people. Police did stop three people with ballistic vests and a gun. But they said, we were lucky to get those three out of here and confiscate the vests. So they were troublemakers and they got rid of them. <sighs> there were There's usually always some, you know, a few people that yeah, want to make, there's make trouble. There's always a few. But uh, nothing, nothing uh, as bad as what happened the week before. Yeah. So. And finally, Paul Allen, Microsoft co-founder, billionaire philanthropist. Mm-hmm. He owns the Seattle Seahawks. He led a search team that has found the wreckage of the USS warship Indianapolis, which was sunk by a Japanese torpedo in the final days of World War II more than 18,000 feet below the surface of the Pacific Ocean. Wow. The, this is from the Navy. The uh, cruiser was returning from its mission to deliver components for the atomic bomb that was soon to be dropped by the, on the Japanese city of uh, Hiroshima when it was fired upon in the North Pacific by a Japanese submarine on July thirtieth, 1945. It sunk in wow. 12 minutes. According to the Naval History and Heritage Command in Washington, no distress signal was sent. About 800 of the 1,196 crew members aboard survived the sinking, but only 316 were rescued alive five days later. So about 800 survived the the torpedoing of the ship, but 300 actually survived five days later. The rest lost to exposure, dehydration, drowning, and sharks. See, that was the story. So the guy that was in Jaws, Mm -hmm. the captain had that horrifying story that's right of quint yeah, i think quint. that's the scariest part of the movie so he had when he's the, telling that he had story. The, the chilling monologue yes about surviving that i watched a shark week and they had a movie kind of documentary they reenacted this thing Ugh. and i i had no idea about this story and they're just up there floating around and they show the, like what the view would have been for the sharks below and man you're just out there in the middle of nowhere nobody knows you're there that is terrifying. They
2: were supposed to make a movie of that. Supposed to be kind of like a <clears throat> prequel to Jaws. Really? But they never did.
6: Thank heavens.
3: That's a, that's a horrible story. So they found the ship. I don't know what they're going to do about it. It's down quite a ways. Well, you just send some drone ship, robot ship down there. But you get, or James Cameron. You get, he get likes this to sort to do of ethics thing. Do you just leave it? Because it's a, it's it's a, a tomb, hallowed right? site, right? Yeah. No, I'm sure we'll go knock around a bit. See
6: what's
2: down (laughs) there. That's just how we work. And we'll knock it down another mile. Yeah.
6: Good job, guys. Wow. I'm I'm watching the clock ticking for the NASA clock. An hour, one hour and about 38 minutes Mm. until
2: I I guess this is for
6: us. It's the NASA,
3: NASA TV preview show.
2: Is that lady scalping the goggles? Yeah. I think she's scalping them. Oh yeah, lots of people are scalping goggles now.
3: Airbnb uh-huh. in locations where the uh, uh, where it's prominent, right? Where the uh, close to these areas of total. What are they calling it? The total total uh, eclipse of the heart. There you go. Um, they're up like ten times the rate. The Airbnb really. prices for the, the ten million are, dollars. Yeah, and you got know, like one one to bedroom apartment. Stay in apartment, your trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good.
6: I'll just sleep in a tent. Yeah, I'm, I NASA's really got it covered. If you go there, you can go to Eclipse One Hundred and One mm. and learn everything you need to learn, and even learn how to use the word umbra and penumbra, like moon in front of sun. Mm-hmm. Got it. No, it's more complicated. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It's not to us because we have very simplistic. Is it mind. more?
3: Is it more complicated if you need it to be? Yes.
6: Like if you start if you, trying to do the math. If you need funding. Okay like if you if you're looking for funding then uh-huh. yeah you got to you'll complicate it just a bit. Understood. Interesting interesting stuff. And you and remember there's those moments where you'll see a diamond ring. If you're if you're at the total eclipse, there will be a moment where you'll see the diamond ring. And like the pearls. Oh, look for the pearls. Hmm. There's all of these extra things that are part of the eclipse and if you don't know what I'm talking about, shame on you. And a
2: reminder if you traveled out of state to see the eclipse, don't Fall asleep. Don't sleep in yeah. on today of all days. Yeah, but you'd have to sleep pretty late. In some, I places. guess that's true. Apparently, two o'clock in the East Coast. You know something else that people are spotting? What? Maybe Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about that yeah, before we me go about to break? It. Little empty news. Members of a group calling themselves Bigfoot Nine One One, they claim they spotted the giant, walking bear-like legendary creature in the woods of western North Carolina Friday night. Hmm. Johnny Bruner posted on the Marion Group's Facebook page. It's a closed group page, so you probably can't just go join it to see the footage. Nice try. That the expedition in McDowell County hit pay dirt just before 11 p.m. The sighting came after three teams set up glow sticks at various locations. Bruner said, "Oh, because glow sticks attract." Yeah, yeah, big glow sticks. So uh, total eclipses. They bring out beef jerky, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, he describes how they heard movement in the woods, three steps at a time, and the creature came into view near a glow stick about 30 yards away. Mm. The angle of the moon was shining straight down on the road, and mm. something big stepped into view. What? <laughs> <I> t- <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I turned my headlamp on, and I saw a large bipedal animal covered in hair. It Dad? Took- dad it took one step into the woods then I took off running toward where it went into the woods if if there was this giant creature chase it (laughs) why would you run after it did you have a torch Uh, let's see Uh, Bruner said the man animal manimal he had uh, he had man animal hands by the way Mm. was standing 30 yards to his right with its right hand on a tree that had been broken off Nine feet above the ground.
6: What? So this
2: thing is huge. Huge! Its face was solid black with no hair on it. The hair looked shaggy all over its body. Okay, and here's the crazy part. Uh Uh-huh. It turned and took five steps and was at the bottom of the hill probably 30 yards. So it has So in five steps, he went 30 yards. Wow. And then this is the best part. I could see the gluteus maximus flexing with each step. Wow, he must work out. That thing is ripped. <laughs> Sasquatch is ripped. Wow, that's. It, it, whoa, do you believe it? It, uh, pff, he's has he's got proof. We just can't see it.
6: Well, yeah, no. It sounds like he wants you to go sign up for his Facebook page.
2: Hmm. I think you have to join his team. And go out on an expedition before they'll
6: allow that. Before they'll allow the glute shot, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's crazy. We'll give you
2: every day. We'll just we'll release one small portion of the gluteus maximus <laughs> photo. Here is here
6: here's the Sasquatch leaning against a tree, and one of his six meter strides. Hmm. Well, well, you know the eclipse is bringing out everything, folks. If it's not Sasquatch, it's going to be Aunt Myrtle who makes it up to your Idaho home. Anyway, crazy town, crazy time. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Up next, we're talking about how a job acquires a gender. Crazy stuff. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Why is it that some jobs are seen as best suited for women and other jobs are best for men? Women are assigned receptionist, nursing, child care, while men get construction, mechanic, and firefighting. Gender bias in the workplace can disadvantage women and men, according to a study from uh, Dr. Laura Doring. She's an assistant professor of strategy and organization from McGill University, and she's with us today to talk about her research and her findings. Laura, thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
6: Is um, It's interesting because I, I, I'm dying to figure out how it happens that, we've kind of, that a job has created a gender, because we were just doing a little study earlier of our own, or a test of our own, where when you think of a nurse, your mind kind of automatically t- tends to think of a female. Um, is, this, is this socialization? How is it that we've um, gendered or created a gender for a job?
0: Well, this is exactly the question that my co-author and I wanted to find out because we had, you know, similar observations to what you were talking about earlier, that we think of firefighters as men and preschool teachers as women. But, you know, how does it how does it come to be that way? Why do we think of certain jobs as having masculine or feminine stereotypes? Um, And what we found was that these masculine and feminine stereotypes that we associate with certain jobs essentially come from the initial interactions that we have with people who are filling jobs that are otherwise gender ambiguous. Um, So what we found in our study was that people quickly came to treat a gender ambiguous job as quote, a man's job or a woman's job. And really all it took was interacting with one person for people to start treating these roles as hmm. if they were better suited for men or women.
6: Interesting. So it really only it's it's about our interaction on the kind of the gender ambiguous job. Because um, if, if I if I had a fire truck full of females show up and that was my fire department and I got to know them, then I would naturally just think of firefighters as neutral.
0: Well. What we looked at and so the reason why I think, you know, our study is, is just a little bit different is that we started with a job that didn't have a strong gender stereotype attached to it. So we already, you know, think of firefighters as being a a sort of a a more masculine job. And so what we did was we started with a job that really didn't have a strong gender association one way or another. And this really allowed us to look at what happened basically when you when you start from zero. And that's where we saw that it was really through these interpersonal interactions that people very, very quickly um, started to treat to treat jobs that don 't have any you know natural masculine or feminine characteristics as if they were uh, better suited to men or women
6: and that neutral job that you that you used was a microfinancier, right so somebody uh, offering loans uh, small loans to people in in other countries
0: that 's exactly right, so we were looking at the the job of a commercial microfinance loan manager in Central America, which is a bit of a mouthful but what made it uh, a great job to look at was that people didn't really associate this job with one gender or another. Um, it's also a job that was relatively new in that context. And, you know, microfinance is part of the financial sector, which is traditionally masculine, but microfinance also has a legacy of social service and poverty alleviation, which are activities that we traditionally associate with women. Hmm. So it was a great job because it wasn't really clear if it was a quote-unquote a man's job or a woman's job.
6: And then um, you, some of the things you noticed were interesting. I guess it would depend on – it, did it depend on the first relationship that we had? So if my first relationship was with a female in that field, did I then start to interpret that job as being more of a female gender job? Um, and does it matter if then the role switched?
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So we found that once people, if people were first, uh, essentially these are microfinance clients, if they were first paired with female managers, then they came to treat the job itself as a what we call in the literature, a female type job, just a job that people, you know, associate with women. And what we found was that when they were switched to other managers, so folks who had originally worked with a woman and thought about that job as a feminine job, they treated the next person who came in to, to fill that role with less authority. Um, and what was interesting was that they treated them with less authority, regardless of whether the new person stepping in was a man or a woman. So it wasn't so much about the individual as the gender that people associated with the job itself.
6: Interesting. So, um, this is this is an interesting study, I think, because a lot of people might might not see the you know the damage that this could do. Help us understand the downside to creating this and identifying a gender to a profession.
0: Sure. So we often think about gender stereotypes as negatively affecting women. So that, that's an idea that we're, we're pretty familiar with. And one of the things that was interesting in our study was that we found that these sorts of gender biases that we attach to jobs can also negatively affect men. So when men worked in positions that others associated with men and masculine stereotypes, they enjoyed very high levels of authority, But when they worked in the same job, but it was a job that others happened to associate with women, men experienced much less authority. Um, So what we're trying to argue in this paper is that associating genders with jobs um, can have negative downstream effects for both men and women.
6: And um, that's interesting because you'd think if it were just – if it were – if a man was in a nursing job, you would think that the man would have, would just take his male dominant, you know, male advance or advantages, and more dominate the nursing world. But what you're saying is they're perceived as having less authority in that role than a female would.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, So in our study, you know, we were looking at these commercial microfinance loan managers, but I think if we were to, to extrapolate to another setting, um, like you're saying with the nursing profession, which is very female dominated, what we might expect is that men in those positions, even though they're men and they enjoy lots of uh, gender benefits in other contexts, if they're working in a role that people associate with women, they might experience less authority than women who are filling that same role.
6: Hmm. And it's interesting, though, because this isn't being done consciously, is it? I mean, this is like a subconscious thing that we're doing.
0: I think that's absolutely right. I don't think, you know, many people are waking up in the morning and, you know, striving to behave in gender-biased ways. I think it's very unconscious. I think it's something that really we're we're all guilty of. Um, One thing that was interesting in the study was that we found that both men and women responded in these biased ways. So it wasn't, you know, for instance, just that men were behaving in biased ways towards women or vice versa, but that really everybody was behaving in these biased ways. Hmm. Um, and so, which I think, you know, makes it makes it all the more important and even a greater call to action really for all of us
6: is um, does it matter by like your societal norms, your culture, if you you were you were evaluating um, as part of your study, uh, Central America, uh, microfinance loan managers, is, is that if, if certain cultures are more kind of stereotypical or, or more biased or um, do certain cultures pick up more gender bias with jobs than other cultures?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's one that we get a lot because we've done this research in, in Central America, which is certainly a very different cultural context, say, you know, to the United States or, or Canada. Um, I think that there is a possibility, and because we didn't look at other countries, I I can't say with any certainty, for instance, how how this would play out in a different cultural context, but what other scholars have shown is that Gendered attitudes are pretty consistent across cultures. There are, there are some cultures that have more traditional gender stereotypes than others, where people are um, more, more gender progressive, more, some, some cultures that are more gender progressive than others. But the tendency to view men as more, more agentic and more competent, that's pretty consistent hmm. across cultures.
6: Is it really yeah
0: yeah it's it's pretty amazing. It's one of the few things in in social science where we we see this um very uh very constant uh set of behaviors across cultures.
6: How do you change this something that's so kind of seemingly universal cross culture but also I guess something that's so subtle uh and subconscious,
0: yeah, that's absolutely the most important question i think um You know, where we can start, I believe, is with employers. So employers have enjoyed numerous returns when they have diverse workplaces. So employers really want to make sure that their employees are treated equitably and fairly. And one way that we can try to minimize bias in the workplace is through endorsements. And basically, this just means... A very high status person in an organization, like the boss, um, speaking very favorably in front of other people about someone who is at risk of experiencing this kind of bias. So, just to give you an example, if you imagine a staff meeting at a hospital, you can think of a hospital administrator who gets up in front of everyone else and starts touting the importance of nurses, uh, you know, encouraging physicians and other staff members to respect their professional abilities and their suggestions, and these endorsements from high status individuals can nudge other employees towards more equitable treatment of people who are filling these female-typed roles. So I think there's, there's some structural changes that, that um, employers can take. Uh, for example, using standardized evaluation tools. So bias is a lot more likely to creep in When evaluations are subjective and when our expectations aren't clearly defined. So instead of evaluating performance based on general impressions, um, employers can use really clear agreed upon metrics for what constitutes good performance. And using these really standardized metrics can help to minimize bias as well. Yeah.
6: Yeah. And it, uh, did you see by chance the picture of President Trump's – I guess he went to Camp David to meet, to talk about the Afghanistan um, policy and, and what, their, what their approach is going to be. Then they took a picture after with all of the – with generals, with NSA leaders, with homeland security leaders. And I, I think there's about f- maybe 12 people in the picture, 14 people in the picture, all men but one female. And because again, um, and she's she's kind of a temporary uh, homeland security uh, head, um, but the the it was General Kelly who who gave his position to her when he went to work as chief of staff for for um, President Trump, but it's it's interesting that. And she I mean, one of the one of the issues is, do we even see uh, females as generals? Do we see them as Homeland Security? Do we see them as national security advisors? And it's it's hard because there's so many numbers. Right. But like you're saying, Mm -hmm. if we could start getting the metrics right, the measurements right, and then have some sponsors that are in key positions, I guess that's the beginning. You've got to begin to to let more in.
0: Mm -hmm. I think I think that's absolutely right. And I think the more that we see men and women in gender atypical roles, for instance, like a female general, the less we think about those roles as being stereotypically male or female. And, you know, the fact is that as our economy shifts, workers are going to need to cross gender lines more often. Already we see Women entering science and technology fields and more men are entering caregiving professions like nursing, um, because these are fields that are really in in high demand. Um, and so I think that by working to eliminate some of these authority penalties based on gender, you know, we create not only happier individuals who are working, but also, you know, support a more a, a very robust and, and changing economy as well.
6: Yeah, Good stuff, Laura. Let's take a break. Come back and continue learning what we can do about uh, 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 gender-identifying jobs. I mean, it's it's such a subtle thing that's going on, and but they're everywhere. We all and we we all have this uh, kind of inherent bias, which you know it's scary at times to think that you could already just have this identification with a gender for one job. Interesting stuff. More with Dr. Laura Doring, an assistant professor of strategy and organization at McGill University. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. We are talking about how a job acquires a gender. For example, nurses you might perceive as a female job, firefighters more as a male job. And uh, we're talking with an expert on how this comes to be. It's a very subtle uh, kind of transition. Joining us is Dr. Laura Doring. She is a, an assistant professor of strategy and organization at McGill University and studied um, in Central America, studied microfinance loan managers. Which is which would kind of be seen as a gender neutral profession, um, and then in their study they found uh, that if if uh, if your microfinance loan manager was a female, and that was your first interaction, you would start to see that that profession is tends to be more of a female gendered profession. If I got that right so far, Lara?
0: You've got it right. Yep.
6: And then one of the things that was really interesting in your study is the idea that if if you, if people perceived the job as a female gendered profession, then they were actually more likely to miss payments and to actually make uh, like not pay back their loans as as well as they would if they perceived it as a male uh, gendered job. Is that right?
0: That's
6: correct. Yep. Which, so talk to us about like, – so the downside to this is I guess you're seen as having less authority um, than – I guess female loan managers were seen as having less authority, so less of a need to pay back the loan as opposed to male, male uh, microfinance managers?
0: That's right. So we looked at missed payments rate right, as a measure of authority that the microfinance clients would afford to their manager, and and the reason why we looked at missed payments is that making a payment on time essentially signals that the borrower views the manager as someone whose authority is legitimate and as someone whose instructions need to be followed. Microfinance is much more relational than we might think of our relationship, say, to you know our mortgage lender or something mm. like that. Um, so if you miss a payment, basically that signals that the borrower feels like he or she can approach uh, repayment responsibilities more laxly. So when a borrower misses payments, it suggests basically that the manager lacks the ability to secure compliance and in the eyes of the borrower lacks authority.
6: Hmm. Is that true? If it was a female borrower with a female loan manager,
0: that's true as well. That's right. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't find any major differences between male and female borrowers, Both, uh, both men and women responded in the same way. Yeah.
6: So, um, Boy, I mean, that all of a sudden, then you start thinking, which was maybe why you would see that there is a bias in a company. If all this if if a job is seen as a male job, for example, or I guess it doesn't matter. But if men are able to get more loans repaid than women just by this bias, then it seems like you'd hire more men.
0: It's right, re- you know. Um, so I've gone back to the the bank where I presented, uh, where I gathered this data and presented this to them, and they they sort of jokingly said, "So should we fire all our female loan managers?" And of course, you know, the answer the answer to that is no, because they they derive a great deal of benefit, you know, beyond repayment from having a diverse staff, just as any any company or organization would. So I think, you know, the the solution is not to you know, get rid of of uh, women and female typed positions, but to learn how to to manage these biases, so that we can most effectively take advantage of um, you know all of the 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 benefits and um, sort of the the wonderful work that that's done in female typed roles.
6: It's it really, and it's very interesting too to think that I would subconsciously take a take different advantage of. Uh, these roles based on the gender too. I mean, to think that I would re- be less likely to less uh, uh, active to pay my debts back to a female manager versus a male manager, it, it I guess it just shows the subtlety. I, I just assume women will be nicer to me. I guess more lenient. I, you
0: know, I think I think that that might be part of it. I you know I think there's a lot of interesting follow-up research to be done to figure out what exactly are these borrowers thinking when, you know, they sort of believe that they might be able to to get away with making fewer loan payments uh, with someone who's hmm. filling a female-type role. But I think what's really interesting about this is that, you know, missing a loan payment is detrimental for the borrower as well because it affects right. their credit score. So it's, it's not necessarily uh, a win-win for the borrower if if they feel like they can get away with missing more payments.
6: Interesting. So one of the key learnings is that a, this is happening um, that B another with point is just simply that it harms all of us Mm
0: -hmm. and
6: maybe Mm -hmm. make it clear for us how it harms us.
0: Yeah. So when either men or women are working in a female typed role, both, men and women seem to be experiencing less authority in that role. And, you know, ideally, we all want to live in a world where we perform the work that's best suited to our abilities, regardless of gender. And so what this means is that everyone needs to be treated with the same levels of authority, whether that role is a male or female-typed role. Um, So I think it You know, what this what this does is really prompt us to think carefully about the organizations that we work within and as well as to think about our own behaviors and thinking about ways that, you know, we can mitigate this sort of gender bias in our our own behavior.
6: Yeah. Wow. Interesting research. Where do you go from here? What's your next what's your next test? What's your next uh, study?
0: Oh, that's, that's a great question. So I, I'm working on a new study now that looks at how, um, the strength of relationships between microfinance loan managers and their clients, uh, affects loan managers, uh, essentially leniency towards, towards mm. their clients, um, as well as Clients' compliance um, again in their in their repayments towards their loan officers. So, continuing to look at how these relationships uh, affect outcomes in in the financial sector.
6: Interesting. And I, I guess your assumption: the better the relationship, the more likely to be taken advantage of.
0: Well, it's actually uh, a little bit. Uh, there, there's a bit of a twist to it. So. What I find is that when loan managers and clients have relationships that start out very strong, that the loan managers are fairly lenient with them. So oh, yeah. if clients get into trouble, um, they're, they're much more lenient because of that strong relationship. But over time, as the relationship decays, That leniency among loan managers remains, although clients then start to miss payments over time. So loan officers remain very committed to their to their clients, but the clients over time uh, start to miss more and more payments.
6: Uh See, relationships. (laughs) Maybe they're not as good as we thought. (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff. Well, I appreciate you, Lara. Thank you for your great work. Lara Doring's her name. And again, uh, she's a professor, assistant professor of strategy and organization at McGill University um, and does what she can to understand the impact of our sociological forces on economic development. And uh, so much to learn, isn't it? Crazy. We all have it. Just a very simple bias uh, that does impact. What we think we can get away with, what, we've, what we think we should be able to get away with, and maybe just being a little more informed about it can help all of us. That's why we bring you such interviews. We'll continue the journey in just a minute. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We're about an hour away or so, at least where we live, from the eclipse. And uh, hopefully you're tracking it as well. Lots of great sites to to help you with that. NASA.org would be one. Actually, NASA.gov would be a great one as well. Um, But... uh, before we get into our last hour, our last hour of the show where we're going to be talking nothing but eclipse, let's get to some of our empty news with Jeff Simpson.
2: Jeff, what uh, what else should we be paying attention to? I'm hoping, I, I know you're very big on this on the show, helping out the crook. Yeah. Right? Well, you, I mean, if, if somebody's going to be a crook, you, sure. you may as well be good at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I was hoping that you could maybe give an assessment okay. of this crook and maybe talk about what's really going on. All right. So, an Illinois man was arrested Friday after attempting to report a robbery. Okay. Oh, okay. Weird. Seems strange, right? Yeah,
6: just reporting.
2: While also being the suspect of an armed robbery earlier that evening. Oh, oh yeah. Changes things. <laughs> Joshua L.T. Franklin, he's 19, was charged Monday with armed robbery and booked into jail. Okay, on Friday at approximately 7.45 p.m., The police department received a 911 call from a local market reporting an armed robbery. Hmm. Okay. Nothing strange so far. A suspect description was obtained and a perimeter was established by the police. The suspect was seen near the East Alton Wood River High School shortly after the robbery, according to a police report. Yeah. Within an hour of the reported armed robbery, police reported a subject that matched the suspect's description was inside the lobby of their police department wanting to report a robbery in Wood River. Weird. Yes. (laughs) Officers arrived and quickly determined the person wanting to report a robbery was the suspect in the Wood River Market armed robbery. Hmm. Franklin was taken into custody without incident. Okay. now. uh, I mean, was he just a good Samaritan? I'm getting, you know, other crooks would would say that that is not a smart move. No. Right? Like, yeah, you, you don't walk in
6: to the police department. You basically turned yourself in. But maybe what he was, was he trying to create his own alibi? Was he trying to create his own... Was he, or was is he, like a pyromaniac that lights a fire and then watches it while the fire department comes? I
2: don't know. I mean, do you think this was kind of a cry for help? What can you tell us about this individual? Well, it was definitely a cry for something. I guess in the end,
6: are you a good, just a good Samaritan, or are you really just a criminal trying again to manipulate the system? Does it really matter, honestly, when you still have a five to ten (laughs) sentence? Either way. But by the way, is this this him reaching out saying, Hey, I'm lost and I need help. I don't know what to call it, except not a very smart criminal. (sighs) Maybe it had something to do with the eclipse. You don't ever want to... Oh, Jeff... Jeff, you've got such a big heart, man. (laughs) Jeff, seriously. Jeff, pick yourself up, man. That's an embarrassing cry. Whatever happened to Mr. Joshua L.T. Franklin, 19, it's sad, but it represents all of us. It doesn't mean you're good. It doesn't mean you're bad. What it means is you got to think before
2: you walk into the police department. Kind of a sad. Maybe story. that little cricket on his shoulder was yeah. telling him to do the right thing. Maybe. And now that he's in the pokey, go to classes.
6: see if we can get some therapy and help there. See that's why we do the show to help everybody get a leg up in life. This is the Matt Townsend show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM, 143 BYU Radio.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
1: BYU Radio.
6: Good morning, friends. Top of the morning to you. Happy Monday as you chase the eclipse. We, according to NASA, you know, it's starting in about 53 minutes or so for some others have to wait till Um, later in the day on the east coast i
3: I don't know if that's the eclipse or the solar eclipse preview show oh who are they getting for the preview show it's pretty big they have a a cast of stars cast
6: of stars none of no no names and you don't know any of their names but they're really they have really red eyes orion may make an appearance yeah Ooh.
2: wow hmm
6: mo pluto might be there Hmm. Nah, he probably doesn 't know much about our eclipse. I uh, hope you 're going to take advantage of it 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 's not just uh, don't don 't just think of it as an eclipse also you could think of it as a as a day that you have to work fewer hours
3: hmm. we'll get to that
6: millions Wait, of dollars I, I, have, hours. I have
3: statistics on that
6: now some cities and towns are gaining money because everybody's heading into the the, the belt of, uh,
2: what do we call on this? The the, the viewing. path
6: of totality. The path of totality.
2: The hospitality industry in some states is doing very yeah. well.
3: There are I mean, Motel 6s sold out. The swag industry, <laughs> apparently. There's mugs and frisbees oh, yeah. and t-shirts. And the path of totality swag mm. truck. Swag wagon. Swag wagon. <laughs> Bonnie Tyler's
6: doing well today. Bonnie Tyler's song has come back with a vengeance. I'm sure we'll get a chance to listen to that sometime today so much of that going on plus we are going to be speaking with a professor uh, about the solar eclipse the ins the outs the ups the downs everything you need to know and one of the rules we always talk about is do not stare directly at the sun just don't look at it but what if my glasses aren't working no they'll work no they'll work unless well,
3: unless you got the bad kind if you have the the industry certified
6: it should say industry certified which well, seems actually, like it, what it'll
3: say on the inside just yeah. for actual factual reasons It'll say uh, ISO twelve thirty one two two. Now, but could you not? Could somebody
6: in another country not just
3: easily? Print yeah, that's that the other thing. The Mine were made in Tucson. Yeah, that company is also one that is specific. You're, you're gonna you're gonna want a company g- in Tucson, yeah, Arizona. Yeah.
6: So make sure your glasses actually have been approved and are legit.
3: Then, or or make your own out of a. Cereal box. I read one story of a guy in, I think it was in Massachusetts, who during the 1930s, the last solar or eclipse of this magnitude across the United States, just he went out and looked at it. Yeah, and he said uh, he saw like white flashes, like mm. uh, you know, flash bulb going off. Yeah, and uh, about seven, eight years later, he lost half the vision in his right eye.
6: Yeah, so those light bulbs weren't like flashes going off. That was just his cornea. Yeah. You know melting. what'll happen Parts if you look icon. at it, right? What, what happens when you look at it? Don't look right. Keep your eyes shut! Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. There goes. Oh, Raiders
2: of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Fire shooting uh, through everybody. It's intense. It's coming directly from the solar eclipse. Yeah. Uh, oh, this is the best part. This is the face-melting. So for
6: those of you that are driving and aren't watching the live stream of the show that we don't have, then yeah. <laughs> uh, we just caught Jeff in the middle of one of his movies. Yeah,
3: he's watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it's over now. Yeah. How is it that that was PG, by the way? The, the guy's face melted. I PG just, was a different rating system back then. It meant different things.
6: Let's be very real. No one's face will melt off during the eclipse today. How,
2: do you know anybody that's ever looked at one? Then how do you know? Hmm.
6: No, but I'm saying even if you look at one, your face won't melt off. Mm. Well, I mean, because it's, it's – You have no proof of this. Well, it's the same sun that's out <laughs> when you're out every day, right? And your face doesn't melt. Off. I mean, your eyes will burn and sizzle and you'll smell bacon. Don't, don't get me
3: wrong. It. Just don't look at it. You'll be fine. That's the rule.
6: If just you, you, don't look
3: You can at watch it, it on – and the other one uh, I saw over the weekend like your pets. Yeah. They have similar eye, eye issues with the sun – but, uh, Bring them uh, inside because they'll look up. They'll be like, what's going on? That's a, or get them the glasses. Yeah, or get, get your pet some
6: glasses. <laughs> a little late now. The, the
2: hard bed. part is getting your dog to keep the glasses on. I've noticed that's True. hard.
6: Some I dogs. Think, I think
2: PETA would have a problem with that somehow.
3: Yeah.
6: Animals are going to – apparently animals have trouble with this. I wonder if the insects. I mean maybe this. Maybe you're going to find a lot of problems after. You know, Maybe a lot of animals are thinking, hey, it's nighttime.
3: And don't try to take your phone and take a picture of it. It, It'll mess up the uh, lens and sensors in your phone. Really? Yeah. So what they say is if you have a pair of glasses, shoot through the glasses Oh, interesting. Do it that way, but then you just get like an orange ball with a black oh, background. Oh, because you, you probably kind of just that. saved
6: a lot of people's phones because I bet a lot of people were just going to stick their phone up. All right, thing.
3: you just do that and then look at it later Well, it's you're messing all the sensors and stuff and your phone aren't set to, you know, photograph the sun.
2: I think we have a clip of somebody trying to do that with their phone.
5: Hmm. Oh, boy. There it goes. Yeah. You're fired. Oh, wow.
6: And luckily Donald Trump got in on that one. <laughs> The next hour, it all begins, folks. Within about an hour, we'll be able to start seeing some movement, some
3: activity here. I went out and looked. It's, the moon's close, but you can't see it. The sun is just so overpowering. Did you try it with your glasses? I did. You still can't see it.
2: See, this is why his face didn't melt off.
6: I don't He's know. He's wearing his glasses. And he there looks.
3: I think you look good in them. No, they don't really fit. You look like you just had your eyes checked. It's like every pair of glasses I wear. They don't quite fit my head. Oh, and darn it. I had my eyes dilated this morning.
2: You look like that guy in Biff Tannen's oh, yeah. uh, crew that wears the 3D glasses all the time. Yeah. You are so <laughs>
6: hip. <laughs> So hip. So today we're talking Eclipse uh, 101 as well. Again, a great site is nasa.gov. They they have an entire eclipse2017.nasa.gov page, which uh, you're going to want to take the kids to. But first to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to?
3: The Secret Service can no longer pay hundreds of agents it needs to carry out and expand a protective mission, in large part due to the sheer size of President Trump's family and efforts necessary to secure their multiple residences up and down the East Coast. Secret Service Director Randolph Tex Ailes in an interview with USA Today. Tex Hmm. tax. In an interview with USA Today says that more than 1,000 agents have already hit the federally mandated caps for salary and overtime allowances that were made or meant to last the entire year. The agency has faced a crushing workload since the height of the contentious election season, and it has not relented in the first seven months of the administration. Agents must protect Trump. Has traveled almost every weekend to his properties in Florida, New Jersey, and Virginia, and his adult children, whose business trips and vacations have taken them across the country and overseas. Under Trump, 42 people have protection, a number that includes his 18 member 18 members of his family. That's up from 31 during the Obama administration. Overwork and constant travel have also been driving a recent exodus from the Secret Service ranks.
7: The, dire- oh, wow. the
3: directors trying to comp- get compensation raises for key agents, but even such a proposal, if it was pro- approved, about 130 veteran agents would not be fully compensated for hundreds of hours already worked this year. Interesting.
6: So what happens when they... Ha- so I guess some people aren't going to get as much protection. I guess. And some people are just working and not getting paid. Well, many, yeah, well maybe many would say, get some of those people that are... You know that are causing problems that are pro Trump and have them just protect the family. I don't know, but they're not secret service. No, probably won't work. No, so they're running out Hmm. of
3: resources and money, and then of course the government's all—they're really pro giving more money out. Yeah. So we'll have to see where that situation goes. Southern California authorities say a man suspected in a string of carjackings in two states has been arrested in Utah. Police say the carjacking started Friday afternoon. And as a man dropped a female acquaintance with a, uh, let's see this, he, he a female acquaintance dropped off at a hospital with a stab wound in San Bernardino. Investors believe the man injured the woman who was expected to survive. Turner said the man pulled a gun on a security guard and carjacked a driver in the hospital parking lot. Turner said he drove about 40 miles north to Victorville, California, where he stole a second car. Oh, boy. Authorities say the man carjacked a third motorist in Mesquite, Nevada, and then was later caught... In Southern Utah, mesquite always makes me hungry. By the way, I know I love that flavor. So car, um, carjacking
2: Palooza, but it seems like carjacking. The minute you carjack, yeah,
6: I mean, unless you take the person with you, now you're a hot car that everyone's looking for. True. Wouldn't it make more sense to keep the person you took their well, car, or or find another way to get a car? Go right. go try to do a test drive or something.
2: By the way, Allah our discussion or per our discussion uh, earlier on the show Allah? when you think of <laughs> when you think of a carjacker, yeah. do you think male or female? Ooh, good. Oh, point. totally female. Yeah. I don't know why.
3: <laughs> but it just seems
6: that's what I think of.
3: In other news, U.S., Canada and Mexican negotiators are pledging to work quickly to update the North American Free Trade Agreement, the 23-year-old pact that President Donald Trump has called the worst trade deal in history. The first round of after uh, renegotiation talks wrapped up on Sunday Three countries said they, the three countries said they plan to meet again in Mexico September 1st through the 5th, in Canada late next month, and back in the U.S. in October. The negotiations are likely to prove contentious. U.S. delegation declared Wednesday that the United States is, quote, not interested in a mere tweaking of NAFTA and will seek an ambitious rewrite of the entire deal. Really? And the other two were like, well, we'll talk. You know some people would argue
2: that trading President Trump or President Obama for President Trump was the worst trade in history
3: really some people yeah, some people have said that don 't know who and finally yeah today 's the eclipse i don 't know if you knew that oh no i didn 't know. <laughs> You can add that to the list of worker distractions that cost U.S. companies hundreds of millions of dollars in lost productivity. American employers will see at least $694 in missing output for roughly 20 minutes that uh, the outplacement firm that put this thing together estimates workers will take out of their workday to look at the eclipse. Wow. So it's $694 million. And 20 minutes is a conservative estimate. Many people take even longer or set up their telescopes, their special viewing glasses, or simply just take the day off. It also pales when compared with the myriad of other distractions in the modern workplace, such as March Madness, Cyber Monday, and the Monday after the Super Bowl. March Madness, the firm, estimates employers experience $615 million per hour in lost productivity because of watching basketball games. The Monday after the Super Bowl results in an estimated 290 million lost in output for every 10 minutes that people spend discussing the game or watching highlights or commercials or whatever. Mm. And uh, Cyber Monday on the heels of Thanksgiving – at the, uh, so it's the start of the shopping oh, that's season. That's got to be a big one. $450 million lost in productivity for every 14 minutes spent shopping, which is quite a bit of shopping that goes on. Wow. $450 million.
2: So we really ought to just have these days off of work. Yeah. I mm-hmm. Might as well just not
3: work that It would be day.
2: smarter for them to just say, you know,
3: get out of here, you guys. Right. Go do something else. Save on electricity for the day. Right. But the building Because that's don't. really all you're spending on because there's no work. I don't, I
6: work through all of that stuff. I don't get caught up in mm. this silly right. March madness. You're watching YouTube videos. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> am way too into my Netflix <laughs> to waste any time on that garbage. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Honestly, I'm a little frustrated that I have to go out
3: and watch the eclipse.
6: Well, right I mean, now. like I mean,
3: here in the building, they have fairly fast Wi Fi. Yeah. Why have the fast Wi Fi unless you're going to watch video? No, exactly. I mean, you
6: can – and the neat thing is you can download your entire series mm. just while you're at work.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The fast speed isn't for, you know, sending important documents mm. or emails. It's, you know, for streaming. And I have to download it so that I can watch it while I'm driving. There you go. And you can't do that while you're driving. Who That's
3: has, dangerous.
6: Who has time for the eclipse? I've got a series to get through. Oh, it's sad. Aren't we pathetic? Not
3: not you guys,
6: but others.
3: Like the rest of humanity? Mm-hmm. Is that who you're speaking of? Yeah. And what I'm afraid wow. of is this This
6: could very easily be the end of the world as we know it.
3: No. <laughs> Wrong. No yeah. one is saying that. I am. Not anymore. I know, but I'm here I am. I'm saying when, it. When, when man wasn't really aware of what was going on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the sun went dark, I could see where end of the world thoughts would, would be apparent, it would be there, right? It would be yeah. – but does it really make sense that it's the moon
6: blocking the sun, or does it make more sense that God put a black towel mm. over the sun? <laughs> wow! Think about it. Yeah, you're right.
4: Hmm.
2: Right. I it's a wet towel. I choose not so to so think about that. <laughs> yeah. You don't. You don't want to. No, because we just had this conversation about wasted time at work. No, but we're not
6: waiting. No. So yeah, but. Uh, yeah, we're not wasting time now talking about it.
2: Wrong. Oh,
6: uh, another little thing, just so you know. If you are, I had somebody say, "So, Dad, if I uh, somebody, yeah, somebody, one of your children, Dad, if I chew eclipse gum during the eclipse, I guess I can stare at the sun." Oh no, no. But there, there's a great point. If you chew the gum and then you place the gum over your eyeballs mm. and spread it out, you can look at the sun.
2: Wouldn't that just be akin to putting your hands over your face?
6: Yeah, it depends how much gum you chew.
2: But absolutely.
6: Are there any other uh, headlines about the eclipse that we need to get out there before we bring on our, our professor and replay our excellent interview on solar eclipses? Apparently you cannot. Why
3: was it so excellent?
6: Well, because the guest was incredible. It was okay. a good guest. All right.
3: You, apparently you cannot race the eclipse. What do you mean? Oh, you can't. You can't outrace. You can't drive. It's like 25. The the shadow's moving at 2,400 miles per hour. Well, what if you're really fast, though? Meh. That'd be interesting to try to race from location to location, see if you could stay in totality for the entire day. Superman could do it. Yeah, he could do it. Flash. Superman's not real. Get that into your head. You're wrong. wrong. Okay, sorry. Um, Let's see. Snake-like figures can emerge in the shadows. Totally true. Mysterious shadowy figures that wriggle... Pardon? Wriggle, W-R-I-G-G-L-E. Wriggle-like snakes have been known to appear on surfaces near the ground. Isn't that another gum? Mm -hmm. Seconds before and after a total solar eclipse, the shadow bands, sometimes called shadow snakes, are thin and wavy lines that can be seen moving on plain-colored surfaces like white cars. Scary. The faint and squiggly figures fluctuate in lightness and darkness and do not always show up during the eclipse. But see, because they only show up at a specific point, right before, yeah.
6: right before totality, and right after totality.
3: They say that it, NASA says the simplest explanation is that they are likely arise from atmospheric turbulence or how light passes through different layers of the atmosphere. Yeah. So wow, Fant and,
2: and squiggly figures, my number one fear. Shadow snakes. Well, you're
6: you wriggling, my number one fear. Hmm. Because I, I remember that one time you wriggled,
2: and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. We don't do that here. Face melting is my number two, by the way. It's not
3: gonna happen. It says there will this and this is out of time time. Uh, dot com. It says there will be no more total solar eclipses in about six hundred million years because the moon is slowly increasing in orbit. He's getting oh. big. He's putting on some weight. Hey. Granted, six hundred million years doesn't really apply to us, but NASA looks at that and goes, Huh, look yeah. at that. I hope they all realize they won't be here either. They hope.
6: It's a it's a big deal. And remember to look for the ring, you gotta look for the wedding ring. Right. A diamond ring.
3: People are planning on proposing during that Before moment. and after totality and also look for, look for pearls. Did mm-hmm. Pluto propose to the sun as well?
2: No. Because know, we know he gave a ring to Saturn, right? Yeah.
6: It's a different kind of ring. It's more of a gassy ring. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Straight ahead, folks. We'll be replaying an interview we did with Professor Darren Ragazine. Uh, I didn't do it. Actually, Jeff Simpson did it. So it might be hard to to understand. (laughs) Just kidding, you folks. It's an awesome interview all about the eclipse. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Well, today is the long-awaited solar eclipse, uh, the first solar eclipse in the U.S. in 38 years, and the first eclipse that will be seen from coast to coast in almost 100 years. Uh, Jeff Simpson's interview today, uh, uh, we're going to replay an interview Jeff Simpson did with BYU professor of astronomy Darren Ragazine about what to expect from today's eclipse. Jeff opens the interview by asking, what
7: is a solar eclipse? A solar eclipse is when the moon passes in front of the sun. Uh, from our point of view. And so all, that's there are lots of different kinds of eclipses. This kind of eclipse is called a total solar eclipse, which means the moon will completely cover the sun. Ooh. However, that only happens in a very narrow range, about 70 miles wide. There are eclipses, total solar eclipses actually happening all the time, um, every couple of years uh, usually. Um, but they are usually in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or okay. Antarctica or whatever. And the eclipses you named um, in 1918, this year, and 2025; those are the eclipses that are going to be happening that are going to be crossing the United States. So now, why would it? Why would there be a hundred-year gap, and
2: then all of a sudden there's a seven-year gap until the next one?
7: Yeah. So it has to do with all of the geometry with how the moon orbits the Earth and how the Earth orbits the sun. Uh, the moon's orbit around the Earth isn't flat. Um, it goes up and down relative to the sun. And so sometimes there's an eclipse and sometimes there's not. And it depends on the time of day. And That's where the, how the Earth is rotating. So that tells you where it's going to be on the Earth. And so it's a combination of all these astronomical uh, things that describe that decide where it's going to be.
2: I don't understand it, but I'm going to take your word. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't, yeah to, for to me, the math just doesn't that, but, you know, geometry and never, no, never was my strong suit. Anyway, but uh, I'm curious to know how long the total
7: solar eclipse will last. The total part where the moon is completely covering the sun, and if you're in this narrow range uh, of areas where you can see the total solar eclipse, it'll last for about two and a half minutes. Um, so it will get dark during the day uh, it 'll look like sunset all in every direction all around you. Uh, birds will stop chirping because they think it 's nighttime. Wow um, so it will be uh, quite an interesting event for those who are in the path. We call it the path of totality yeah. which is this this seventy mile swath going from Oregon to South Carolina, where the moon will completely cover the sun.
2: Now if if only there was some sort of phenomenon that could occur at night so that I could get the crickets to stop chirping.
7: Yeah, let's see. Well they they chirp based on temperature so I don't think the, they don't they don't use light to decide when to chirp. So. Darn
2: it. Obviously uh it's a big deal for a lot of people but what I mean what would you say to somebody that they don't see what the big craziness is surrounding this total solar eclipse of the sun, what would you say to them to get them excited about this, other than the fact that we haven't had one in 100 years?
7: Yeah, so to be within driving distance of a total solar eclipse, I like to call it a a twice-in-a-lifetime event, happens only maybe... Twenty every 20, 30 years. If you ask most people, have you ever seen a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse? They'll say no. Right. Um, so um, it's a it's a very unique astronomical phenomenon. It's one that doesn't uh, happen very often. Um, it's very cool, very easy to, to watch, um, uh, and um, you know, and and is is pretty. That's uh, pretty exciting.
2: Now, I understand you told me before we started the interview that you are going to be taking your family to
7: Idaho. Now, why Idaho? So, this seventy-mile swath where there's where the moon completely covers the sun goes from Oregon to South Carolina, passes through Idaho. Here in Utah, um, most of the sun will be covered. Um, About 90% of the sun will be covered. If you have safe solar viewing glasses, you could look up at the sun and see just a thin crescent. It might seem a little bit darker than it should be, um, but it won't be noticeably darker. Um, So there's a big difference between having 90% of the sun covered and 100% of the sun covered in terms of the experience. And so we decided to go up to Idaho.
2: Okay, um, so what sort of advice would you give for people that are hoping to enjoy the solar eclipse?
7: Yeah, so the main piece of advice is to make sure that you're able to view the solar eclipse safely. Um, So as long as there's any part of the sun, even a fraction of a percent that's visible, um, you need to be using solar viewing glasses that are specifically designed to look at the sun. Not sunglasses, not you know uh, there are many home cooked re- remedies that aren't that aren't very good the reason is the sun uh you can get sunburn on the back of your eyes you can get actual eye damage both temporary and permanent if you if you do it wrong so you need to be very careful and make sure that you are viewing the sun safely If you don't have uh, these special solar eclipse glasses, they're hard to come by these days because everyone in the the country wants one right now. Uh, There are other ways to safely view the eclipse. Probably the easiest is what we call a pinhole camera. You take a piece of paper and you poke a little hole in it, and then you look at the shadow, and you'll be able to see the shadow of the hole will be a crescent. It won't be a circle because the sun is a crescent at that time.
2: Oh so you know we shouldn't just go on it's probably not a great idea to go on Amazon and just say totally eclipse solar glasses
7: well you 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 can try my my impression is that it's hard to get them at this point but um, so
2: how do we know what's legit and what's not legit yes
7: there are there are certain um, there actually have been um, uh, people selling glasses for the eclipse that are not. No, not come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so NASA has a website that uh, describes the the requirements for safe viewing glasses. It needs, it needs to block out ninety nine point nine nine percent of sunlight, both in UV and visible and infrared. So, um, even most welders' uh, glasses, for example, um, are not are not strong enough. So, interesting. Uh, you know, really, it, when you get them, they look like. They look like you have a piece of tinfoil that you're looking through and if you put them on you can't see anything except the sun. Wow. Um, so they, they block out so much of the light that allows it allows you to look safely at the sun.
2: So what time are are we going to be able to see this throughout the country? I mean, yeah, just depending on what time zone you're in.
7: That's right. Yeah. So so it depends on what time zone you're in. It's also not simultaneous. It moves across it moves across the country, starting mm-hmm. in Oregon, moving to South Carolina. Um, so if I recall, it starts in Oregon around nine in the morning and makes it to South Carolina local time for Oregon, and then makes it to South Carolina about four p.m. local in South Carolina. Uh, so here in Utah, it'll be around eleven thirty, around noon, um, that the sun will be mostly covered. Same in Idaho. So if we don't if we don't see it
2: this year or in twenty twenty four, is our other option to go? far out on the pacific ocean or and people <laughs> view do it on that. the water
7: people, uh, there are there are special there are cruises for these there are special really? events yeah there are people who are called eclipse chasers some of my uh, colleagues in the astronomy field have seen upwards of 40 solar eclipses because they go to every one wherever it is on the earth Wow! Um, there is one coming in 2045, passing right over Utah. Um, so, so if you want to wait 30 years and and not have to drive up to Idaho, then um, you're welcome to wait until 2045.
2: That's not too long. I think I could wait 30 years. We're we're speaking with Darren Ragazine, who is a BYU professor, and he's educating us on a total solar eclipse of the sun. And we'll continue the discussion when we return. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.
4: Falling apart. There's nothing I can do, a total eclipse
2: of the heart. See, now the total eclipse of the heart is an entirely different problem. Hopefully, something that you've never experienced. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're speaking with Darren Ragazine, who is an assistant professor here at Brigham Young University. Where he specializes in planetary science, astrophysics, uh, exoplanets, and astrostatistics. Darren, what is astrostatistics all about?
7: Tell us about astrostatistics. Well, when we're looking at the sky, we um, so you know we take measurements of stars, how bright they are, where they are, and things like that, uh, and we want to make sure that we are uh, using the correct mathematical ways of deciding. What we saw, so for example, if you only kind of see something, how do you deal with that? Do you count that as seeing it? I half saw it, I didn't see it you know and so there there are um, things that we're working on learning uh, better how to calculate the uh, careful statistical correct methods for doing astronomy
2: interesting, Wow, okay, so you've been educating us a little bit more about the total eclipse. And now I'm thinking of total eclipse of the heart by Bonnie Tyler, the total solar eclipse. Right. And uh, you you mentioned earlier in the interview ab- about there being different types of eclipses. How this is not the only eclipse. And I, I mentioned to you during the break how, as a kid, I remember you know hearing that oh today there's going to be an eclipse, not a total solar eclipse, obviously. And I would I would look up and yeah, tried not to stare for too long, but I right. I. Uh, I seem to remember, yeah, that it was a little overcast, and it was a little safer to view those. Tell us about the. uh, Tell us more about the difference of eclipses, and um, maybe the level of safety involved in viewing each one too.
7: Sure. So, um, you know, when you look at the sun or the moon in the sky, they're circles. Um, The moon goes through phases, but uh, if you include the night side of the moon, it's also a circle. Well, the moon, as it gets closer to the Earth or further away from the Earth, um, changes its size. The sun changes its size a little bit too, but um, not so much. And so depending on how big the – and it just turn, happens to be, as far as we understand in astronomy, complete coincidence. that Right now we're at this point that if the, if the moon is close to the Earth at the time of when it passes in front of the sun, it's big enough to cover the sun. But if it's too far away from the Earth, if it's on one of its further excursions, it doesn't go around in a perfect circle. It comes close and far away. If it's far away, then it might be too small to cover the sun. Uh, So a few years ago in southern Utah, my family watched the annular solar eclipse, which is when the moon goes entirely inside of the sun. It looks like a little ring
0: uh,
7: around the sun. Cool. Um, Or the moon may not totally like we'll have here, uh, like actually the whole continental U.S. will have outside of that. 70-mile uh, swath, it will be a partial solar eclipse. The sun will be partly covered. So in terms of safety, as long as any part of the sun whatsoever is viewable, you should use these special uh, solar glasses. Now, you know, people know that you can look at the sun for a couple seconds and you won't go blind. Um, the problem with an eclipse isn't so much um, – the light is only a little bit less – but you're tempted to look at the sun for a lot longer. And yeah. so that's, that's usually where the problems come is people want to look at the sun a lot um, and the light isn't significantly less in terms of the damage it can do to your eyes. So I really recommend the, the solar glasses or the pinhole camera.
2: Yeah. So if you don't want to have an Indiana Jones moment where you're staring at the arc or the, the, in this case, the that's total right. don't, eclipse, yeah. <laughs> don't stare for too long. Yeah. But we're okay. I mean, if we just catch a glimpse of it, we don't, it's not like we could go wash our eyes out or anything like that. But if we catch a glimpse of it and and then look away, we should be okay. That's, I
7: you know, I... Um, <laughs> I don't want yes. to put words in your mouth. Yeah, but. I mean, that's that's fine. You can sunburn the back of your eyes with even only, say, a few seconds or 10 seconds of uh, of exposure. So, I mean, you've heard of people getting snow blindness or other things like yeah. that. It's that. It's that same type of effect. So you just have to be really careful. Wow. Um, and let me mention that regular sunglasses... Um, do, don't do anything. They they give no protection to your eyes in this case. They don't block nearly enough light, um, so uh, you have to have these special solar viewing glasses. Yeah,
2: but if we, I mean, if we don't have these glasses, or we, you know, are working, and you know, a lot of people here in the radio station will be doing a show at that time. I assume there would be an opportunity to view it on TV after the fact. Oh, yeah. yeah, safely. It's going to be
7: live streamed and there's going to be yeah, many videos and things across the country. There's There will be plenty of opportunities to view it live online.
2: And we wouldn't need the glasses if we watched it That's online right, or on yeah, TV. You would, you would be
7: safe. Yeah. Okay.
2: Man, so maybe if I just have like a really great HD, you know, 4K TV, then – this might even be better than the real thing
7: well I don't know about that <laughs> um, the nice thing uh, the nice thing about the eclipse is that with the you can make a pinhole camera with just your fingers you just set, kind of set up your fingers in kind of a waffle pattern and go outside and look at the shadows and you'll see that the shadows are all little crescents instead of
2: oh my uh, goodness little
7: things. so so even with just a few seconds in your fingers you can go and and see that something is different uh, without safely without looking at the sun
2: so you don't have to forfeit your date money in order to
7: get these glasses no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but with the glasses, you could enjoy the, the eclipse a lot longer. That's right. You can look as, at the sun as long as you want with the glasses on. That's great.
2: And you guys, are, your family is going to have these glasses, I That's say. right, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting. So I, I'm curious to know because clearly we live in a, d- in a day and age when, you know, technology and science is such that we can better predict these eclipses uh, and we know more about them too. I'm curious to know – what people did years and decades and centuries ago. I mean, Terry, our producer, uh, there's a note here that, you know, people would view these eclipses as omens. You know, if there was an eclipse, then it meant a king was going to die. So I'm curious to know how people uh, years ago or centuries ago viewed eclipses and how
7: they knew about them with the limited uh, resources that they had. Sure. So um, an eclipse, as I mentioned before, especially a total solar eclipse, which is the most, um, you know, certainly the most ominous, um, you yeah. know, it gets dark in the middle of the day and uh, and things like that. So those um, are relatively rare in any particular point. Um, but they, they, you know, over the course of history, you know, they happen all, all the time. And so... Um, These only happen when there's a very particular alignment of the moon and the sun. Uh, And as I said, their orbits are not circular, they're not lined up, they're all tilted. And so, to predict them the way we do now, you need to know exactly where everything is at all times. And we now we can do that, um, but it's very—it's actually a very difficult problem, even for scientists. Um, uh, 400 years ago, Newton said nothing made his head hurt like trying to figure out where the moon was going to be. <laughs> um, you know, if you can give Isaac Newton a headache, this is a really yeah. uh, tricky problem. So it is a very difficult uh, calculation to do. Uh, however, there are some sort of tricks of you know the moon goes back to the same place every month and but that you know slightly shifts and and things like that and so it turns out that you can you know sort of add up the different kinds of months and find out that every I think it's eighteen and one-third years uh, there's usually a total solar eclipse somewhere um, yeah and so and so there's 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 there are different cycles and they and and this was known even to the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, um, that there were that there was some predictable. Uh, they couldn't do what I think we do now of oh, if you go to this town in Idaho, you'll see it, and if you go to this town, you won't. But um, um, but they they were able to kind of track it, and and so by the time of the Greeks, you know, and the early uh, early uh, scientific you know thought, they were uh, they knew that they happened, and and they had some idea of how to predict them. Um, uh, roughly and uh, and you know ha- had records of them, so they weren't they weren 't seen quite as i mean i 'm sure they were still confusing um, It was actually a really important part of astronomy because that proves that the moon is closer than the sun uh, huh. something that we take for granted now, but um, uh, but at the time, you know, we, this is now direct proof that the moon is closer to us than the sun. And so, yeah. remember, the Greeks thought that the Earth was at the center. So the the Earth in the middle and then the moon going around the Earth and then the sun further, further off from that.
2: Thank you so much for being on the program, Darren. We really appreciate you. Uh, his welcome. name is Professor Darren Ragazine, and he is an associate professor here at Brigham Young University specializing in planetary science, astrophysics, exoplanets, and astrostatistics. And he's been educating us on the total solar eclipse of the sun. We'll take a break and we'll continue the fun and the discussion here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.
6: Okay, it's time. Not time for the eclipse, but uh, time for the total eclipse of our heart, which is, uh, you know, anytime we go down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation to find out what's coming up on their show, The Eclipse Show, by the way. Um, Spencer and Jerem, hello, gentlemen. Are you there? Hello,
8: Matthew. We are here.
6: How are you guys doing? Um, What are you going to do? Your show is going to be live during the eclipse. False. 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 Oh. What's happening?
8: It will start, right? Will it? Hey, it it
1: will start. Isn't the peak? Isn't the peak moment eleven thirty four Mountain Time? Right, but it's going for a while.
6: Is it? I thought it was. Oh, interesting. Yes, it is. So yeah, you'll have an hour. Then you'll be able to run out, don your glasses.
1: Oh yeah, plenty of time. Yeah. So in fact, the BYU football team had their press conference for today, game week, Portland State Saturday mm. one, Um, scheduled for eleven fifteen. It was moved to eleven forty five. What? I, I think one Kalani Fufita Satake wanted to
8: see an eclipse. Yeah, for sure. They moved it. Well, and why would he prevent other people from doing so, creating a conflict? Mm. He's a man of the people.
6: He is a man of the people. It seems like you would have pushed it off till noon so that you could you know, rub the burn out of the eyes. <laughs> Do you have your goggles ready, man? Uh, I, I don't. <laughs> they're, they're all at home, and I'm here at work. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to have to borrow Terry's. (laughs) He's giving me the eye. Like, I might have to take him down. (laughs) I'm going to have to take him down. Isn't there
8: something homemade we can make to minimize damage?
6: Yeah, cereal box. But I forgot my cereal box, too. Mm. It's just been a bad morning. I was even three minutes late to start the show. I I won't tell you why, but I I had a total eclipse of my alarm clock.
8: I hope you're okay.
6: I'm fine. It was just, you know. My books were eclipsing the alarm clock.
8: Bonnie Tyler's sales are going way oh. up today.
6: Bonnie's stock went through the roof. Yeah. Who would have thought that that song would come back with That's such a, a vengeance?
8: Song.
1: Well, I went to a karaoke party the other day, and yeah.
6: Was it hot? <laughs> Did you hit it? Did you
1: hit it? a strong presence. Karaoke should be limited to, like, one verse, one chorus. Yeah. Because once you get to that second Verse It, like, really loses the momentum.
6: And don't you think it also should be limited to people that are not intoxicated? No comment. I mean, I'm just saying. I've been to one of those places once, and actually it was on a cruise ship. Yeah, once you're on a cruise ship and, you know, people have a few drinks in them, then everyone thinks they can sing.
8: Do you know what karaoke means in Japanese? No, what? Empty orchestra.
6: Really? (laughs) Makes sense. I
8: have a friend named Kerry...
6: Hokie, No way. Yes. I'm not kidding. Carrie Hokey.
1: She used to work uh, for BYU football.
6: Did she... Carrie Could she sing? Sure. Carrie Hokey. I'm not sure. Doing the karaoke. Mm Mm-hmm. I like how you say that, Spencer. Karaoke. Mm. That was was magical. A
8: few years
1: ago, we'd give Spencer a hard time because it'd be like... There was some sponsorship with Hyundai. Hyundai. And he'd be like... We'd be like... What? Hyundai? <laughs> because it's, he went to South Korea. You know so
6: it's that. not it's, it's Hyundai. Not, it's not Hyundai.
1: Exactly. It this is, it this is, is what Hyundai. I'm
8: talking about. It is Hyundai.
6: No. It's, we can it's, say It's a Hyundai. That.
8: Americans can say Hyundai.
6: It's actually how it's spelled, too. We ought to say it right.
8: Exactly. Hyundai. It's spelled H-Y-U-N <laughs> in the English Hyundai? language. Come on. You're playing Hyundai. into
1: the idea I presented
8: Hyundai. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> no, it's... and if I said it like a Korean, I would say Hyundai. Hyundai. How do you say Kia? Kia.
6: <laughs> Ki- but Kia? in
8: America, you just say Kia. You
6: have or, to say Kia or Hyundai. Hyundai. Kia. Kia. Okay, I believe you. I All believe right. you. Okay. So you're going to be, have a chance to see the uh, the great eclipse, and your show. What are you talking about on your show today? This is this is a big
8: we tied week. In.
1: You better believe we tied in.
6: Really?
8: I'm Absolutely. sure you do. I'm sure. Yes. The like last how? time an eclipse was in totality in 1982, which means BYU is going to win a national championship two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> That's, great. <laughs> oh, That's great. I'm kidding.
6: That's okay. great. No, we
8: were asking fans to, well, I guess, don whatever eclipse-ready goggles they want for mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the BYU football season. Yeah. And tell us in which areas BYU football will eclipse the 2016 season in the approaching 2017 college football campaign. That's a
1: great great Uh, tag. Good segue. MVP Matt Bushman. Plus, we'll check in with our guy with the Packers to see how Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Colby Pearson are doing. If you missed it, Taysom Hill, 23-yard touchdown. Classic stiff arm. Run into the end zone Saturday. We'll update you on all the Cougars in the NFL, and it's game week. Just general, it is game week. BYU's playing a game this week. Portland State tonight. Coordinators co- quarter, uh, coordinators corner coming up in two hours and six minutes on BYU Radio. Not to mention our show. Not to mention BYU football with Kalani Satake and AFR and us every day so, tomorrow. So there's a lot going on, baby. It's a, it's on. It a, is on.
6: It, it is on. And um, we also learned, I think, some really important things about multicultural use of language. Mm-hmm.
8: mm-hmm.
6: Uh, that it's Karaoke,
8: not— Hyundai, Kia.
6: <laughs> are you okay? It om- when you say Kia, it almost sounds like somebody hits you right in the gut right in the middle of it.
8: Like, yeah. You're like, Kia! Kia. Dude, the car commercials in Korea are fantastic. Hyundai cha. <laughs> so dramatic. Oh, it's amazing. Everyone speaks like—
6: Hey, that. Uh, okay, how do you say uh, Gangnam style.
8: Gangnam Style. Mm. Gangnam is an area in Seoul. It's kind of like the Hollywood of Korea. Mm. Okay. And he's actually making fun of that area. Oh, good. That's like why it's high such a society, high maintenance society that they have there. So it would be like uh, a famous rapper in America making fun of Hollywood.
6: Mm, perfect. I'd love to see that. And I, you know, I love rap, so it's all good. <laughs> well, gentlemen, have a great eclipse and also have a great uh, show. Of course you will. Gangnam Style. Really, that's what's so powerful, I think, about BYU is everybody is bilingual. There's so many people that right there. Those two, one can speak Portuguese and one can speak Korean. It's amazing. In this very room, I speak Spanish. Jeffrey speaks Russian and Terry speaks uh, Dallas Texian. Texian. I just made that up. Texan. Anyway, just a few minutes away before uh, the eclipse begins its, uh, its movement here, at least in the Wasatch Front, the Wasatch Mountains. As I look over, Terry is donning his goggles already, getting ready to be able to look at the sun. And uh, this is an exciting time. As you know, we always love to do a hero story. And we like to end the show on a hero story. Today's hero story, a California paramedic school graduate not yet a paramedic working, but just a graduate, jumped into helping a choking man in a coffee shop where he was awaiting an interview for a nearby ambulance company. William Stewart was the three, uh, was with three other former Sacramento State University paramedic students inside Coastal Peaks Coffee in San Luis Obispo, California. The foursome were waiting to be interviewed by San Luis uh, 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 Ambulance Company which uh, partners with the school to supply internships for the students. We were kind of all jittery, you know, so we grabbed some coffee to calm our nerves, Stuart said, who just graduated from the school in July. I heard a guy cough, and I looked over and said, hey, he's coughing, so he's probably fine, Stuart recalled. But when I looked back, he was kind of holding his chest and walking around in circles. He wasn't coughing anymore, so I thought I should check on him. Stuart, 23, then successfully performed the Heimlich Maneuver on the Unidentified Patron. He threw in a thumbs up and I patted him on the back, student added, noting that he walked back over to his friends. All was saved, but he just had saved the guy's life. He said, I swear to you, it was less than five seconds and he had cleared the man's airway. So he patted him on the back. It was all good. And then guess what? He for sure got the job, right? With the ambulance company or the, at least the internship. Uh Fred Molto, a field supervisor for San Luis Ambulance, said uh, after hearing about it, they later offered him and his three friends internships that which they will be starting in October. So how cool is that? Well, that's the show, my friends. Uh, good luck taking uh, in the eclipse. We'll be back tomorrow. BYU Sports Nation is up next.